This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. Bez, what do you love? Well, John, it's a new sponsor and I'm loving it. For me, double quarter pound a meal. What are you having? Oh, it's got, got to be the chicken nugget share box. To myself, there's no sharing, but well, to myself. That goes without saying. But what yeah. dip? Oh, barbecue. It's a barbecue dip. Yeah. But where can people get it? So, yeah, where can you get it? You can order via the McDonald's app. Um, it's via participating restaurants only. 18 plus. Rewards. Registration required. Points only on menu items. Delivery fee and terms apply. So see mcdonalds.com for full details. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with Free for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. As football fans, we often pride ourselves on knowing everything, from which substitution can turn the game around to the quickest route home to beat the crowds. However, when it comes to discussing feelings with our friends, we might not always feel as confident. That's why we're here to equip you with the right tools so you can reach out to those who can help. If your mates are struggling, let them know that the Samaritans are free to call on 116123. That's 116123. They are there to listen without judgment or pressure. 24-7, 365 days of the year. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. There's a team that we all love, playing out of person town. They've had a few promotions, but always end up going down. Play up, play up, for fail. Play up, play up, for fail. Good evening and welcome to the Ale and Vale podcast. It is the 19th of October, Thursday. It is our Stevenage preview. We're mixing things up a little bit tonight. Um, Bez has been the cinema, so we'll, we'll touch on that a bit later. We've got Amos and his dinner down, his jumper and his cheesecake ready to go. And we've got a special guest. It was... Port Vale number one, two, three at some point during his his tenure. Aidan Stone, how's it going, Stoney? Yeah, all good, thank you, mate. All good. Good, good. And Bez, how've you been? Are you tired today? It' been a long day. To be fair, I left the house first thing this morning. I've just got in from the cinema, so yeah, long day. But I'm all right, ready and ready to go. That's we'll good. Do a film uh, review later. Cause I've been to the Exorcist, the new Exorcist. All right, we'll get we'll get film reviewing later. Amos, yeah, I'll do that later. You, you've been moaning in the chat before, and that you're knackered. I am. It's a, it's a Thursday, so I get me sleep in now, and then when tomorrow night comes, then that's it. Then it kind of go till Sunday, then and then and then, that, then, then come Monday again, I'm knackered and spend yeah. all week trying to recover, and then yeah, and I've got the message texting me now, telling me not to forget something. I'll, I will get that in later. You'll get that in later. Fair. I haven't even told you boys about it beforehand. Oh, Whatever you're getting into your messes isn't for this. <laughs> Jesus, Bez. Come on, we've got a guest on. I know, we've got a guest and we barely met. It's not even nine o'clock. You yeah. can't go say stuff like that. Keep your smut until after the watershed. He can't team me up like that and expect me to say nothing. <laughs> Fair. True, right. true. Well, let's let, let's get cracking. We ask all the guests the same three or four questions, and then we throw one in positionally. So we're going to start by Sony. What team did you support growing up? So I'm a Birmingham City supporter. Um, it's something that's running my family 
ever since I've been able to kick a football, really. My uncle used to take me down um, to like the little six-a-side leisure leagues where he used to play. And yeah, Birmingham was his team. So I always chose to follow follow that. And who was your favourite player? Ooh, I've had various over the years. It's it's changed because now, obviously, I'm a goalkeeper. Um, I'd say from a goalkeeping point of view, it was Joe Hart. Um, and then probably when I was uh, first started playing football, probably David Beckham. Absolute solid choice there with Bex. I haven't watched fan. the documentary yet. The documentary is fantastic. Oh, it's unreal. Yeah, it's great, isn't it? Hey, I was, yeah, it's so good. Yeah, I'll be honest, and I've said it to other people, I, I didn't realise, because I was only seven in 98, I didn't yeah. realise the level of shit he got after... Like, I knew it was bad, but I didn't yeah. realise it was that bad. See, 98 was the year I started high school, so that was the <laughs> school. Yeah, you swat. I wasn't <laughs> born in 98. Stoney wasn't even oh, born. <laughs> don't be there. I'll be honest, remember. that was part of the reason I bought you because I knew Stoney wasn't even born then. <laughs> but I remember crying after that game and I blame Beckham after obviously I never sent him abuse now wouldn't and it's not on doing that, but I still blame him now for us losing that game of football. I still blame him now. Well yeah, because if eleven v eleven we'd have beat them, in my opinion. Nothing to say. Get a grip. <laughs> I know, but I can't watch the document. I remember crying and Riley's at full time when we lost the penalty shootout. I the also rules. No, Riley's used to be a pub on I Lane next. You know where the co-op is on I Lane? Where night, night, it was a nightclub. Mark Porter used to DJ there. All the Vale players used to get in there. Ask Mark about it next time you speak to him, Tom. Right, He'll tell you. Pub, yeah, but it's where I Lane. Okay, says now that used to be Riley's. It's a, it's a co-op. That's that. Oh, used to right. the actual building. That's it. But yeah, yeah oh. I watched the England Argentina game in there. And I haven't done that, and I still think he cost us the World Cup where Brazil knocked us out when we lost 2-1. You mean when David Seaman turned into glass back? When we were 1-0 up with seconds to go till half-time, David Beckham's got the ball in the opposition's corner flag, and he got a broken metatarso or he had had leading up to, and Roberto Carlos slid in. And rather than standing there and just winning a free kick and we go in half-time 1-0 up, he shit out of it, Brazil kicked us up the other end and scored, and we went in at 1-0. <laughs> Say it how he says. Plus, I hate Man United, <laughs> and obviously, he's in Man United. Well, we had not noticed, mate. So honestly, and yeah. It, yeah. That would be that would be the tangent we're on about Stoney. So sorry about that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um. Right. Next. In who's the best player you've ever played with? I've been obviously fortunate to train and play with a lot of the lads at, um, when I was at Burnley. Um, but the one who, who really shone out for me would uh, be Dwight McNeil. He's at Everton now. Um, he he was a guy who, to be honest, he, he was a, I don't know if he was a year or two younger than me, um, but I didn't think he'd go on to have the success that he's had. And then all of a sudden he was training with the first team and he'd come back down and join us and he was unstoppable. And he's never cost us a World Cup. Oh, for fuck's sake. <laughs> <Boys bonus>. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because he so he came through the Burnley setup then, didn't he? And went straight into the is it was he left side he player, wasn't he? Yeah. Yeah, he yeah, yeah, played. He played yeah. on the left, didn't he, when he got when he broke through and then now he's at Everton and he yeah. Oh fair enough. 
That's uh, that's a new one as well. Yeah, that that that, that is a decent one. Um, best player you've ever played against? Ooh. Again, that's a tough one. Um, I'd have to say Johan Kabai when he was at Palace. He dropped down that's and played Three's game. He just ran the show. And half time, I think he'd had enough of running the show and just got got himself in the bat in the bath early. Bad enough. Bad enough. And best finisher you've seen, whether it's for or against you. Oh, I'd, I'd say the best finisher is either Willow or um, Macaulay Langstaff now at Knotts. Like they're finishing. I I want him so bad, both, Macaulay Langstaff. Both of their finishing is is a joke. It, like you can't try and pick up any triggers as to where they possibly could go, and every single time you get nowhere near it. Yeah, it's almost like they're, they're, they're shaping it up to go one side, and then it's it's a whip of the foot and it across the cross straight across you. Yeah, every time I do a shooting session with Willow, I just gamble <laughs> and hope and hope and pray you went that way. And I'd say I'd say that it was so obvious that I'd gone. Two seconds before it even <laughs> quality. And on about Willow, have you spoke to him since his late injury? I'm asking for injury updates, but how is he? We talk a lot here about mental health and footballers and everyone mental health. Have you spoke to him since his injury last week? I haven't actually. No, I mean I, I went to the Burton game um, at home a few weeks back. And yeah, I saw quite a few of the lads and spoke to them then. Um, but I, I've been meaning to drop him a message, so I will. I will message him to see how he's getting on. Yeah, fingers crossed he's doing okay. That Burton game, as you said, you were there. What did you make of it? Because that's probably the first time you've seen us since you left. Yeah, it was. Yeah, other than obviously, I, I always watch football highlights and stuff like that from the games. Um, I thought it was an interesting game, actually. I think Burton managed the game as you like. As you would last season, but given the new rules, I was quite shocked as to how much they got away with. But that's that's the way it goes these days, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. Do you find that in your league as well? Because start of League One, it was very they were hot on, and the last sort of three four weeks, it's as though they couldn't care less anymore about time wasted. Oh yeah, definitely. I mean, one of our lads got sent off at Salford for taking a throw in after six seconds and Salford were taking uh, over a minute to take a corner. So that just that sums it all up in a minute, really. Yeah, crackers. It's as if, no, it's as if they forget for, forget the rules one week and then they imply them somewhere else. And it just, it's it's not consistent enough, is it? Um, no. Right, this next one is irrational dislike. So this is some a player who... Everybody else loves, and you just nah, don't see it. So mine's Mbappe. I've just seen Bez, Bez's could be Beckham. Yeah, I reckon could be in all fairness. An irrational dislike. Johnny, Johnny's is Adam Yates. <laughs> yeah. <I'm Adam> Yates. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know what? I haven't got one off the top of my head that I can really think of. But I think, yeah. Um, we'll come back to it definitely. Yeah. I'll have a think. So, if you yeah, just we, shout we, a random name halfway through the podcast, we know you yeah, thought of one. We've had Cristiano Ronaldo branded as an irrational dislike previously. Yeah, we did. Yeah. 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 
See, Could another reason for my Beckham one as well, just going back to that, is <laughs> because I like a winger that runs at players, beats a man, gets the byline and whips in. Now, I appreciate Beckham didn't need to do that because he could put it in from anywhere and he put it on a sixpence. So, I get his quality. I just always prefer kind of the gigs molder winger to the Beckham molder winger. You're one of these that didn't like Van Nistelrooy yeah. because he'll put his goals in the penalty box, aren't you? No, I always stuck up for the 90s football. I love 90s no. football. Two wingers, no. two forwards. <laughs> That's when they were at the best. But I love like... Oh, I fucking hell. I stood up for Leon Constantine when he was at Vale because he just put the ball and everyone slagged him off because that's what he did. A striker's there, put the ball in the net. I've got no issue with that. But a, wing, a winger that can deliver a ball into the box for and put it in the net, you've got an issue with because he hasn't taken on three players I'm not before. saying I've got an issue with. I just <laughs> prefer to see... A McCarthy and Ainsworth sort of winger to a Beckham. Guppy was a bit Beckham-esque in all fairness. He could deliver from anywhere. But I just like to see a winger that runs at people. That's all. I'll tell um, you what. Yeah, I've got my original of this now. I've got it. Is Bob. it Bez? <laughs> <laughs> no, oh, that's rational. <laughs> I'm going to go for Neymar. Don't get me yeah. wrong. I, I do think he's a, obviously he's a very, very good footballer. Uh, so, but I just don't like his arrogance. I see so many clips of him being so arrogant. Where I just think, yeah, it's it's not for me that. Yeah, that's fine. He's not being arrogant at the moment. He's extended to his ACL last night. He's yeah, done his ACL, hasn't he? Yeah, it's his yeah. season done in Saudi, isn't it? Yeah, I'm pretty sure he won't pay any attention to me. <laughs> well, remember. we're not sure if he listens to the Ale and Vale. I'll be honest. <laughs> <laughs> He might have more time on his hands now, though. But, yeah. Well, yeah, I imagine he's going to work his way through the 92 podcasts of England, did not he? <laughs> <laughs> he probably can't. Well, even if he can understand English, he won't understand me. No, we won't. <laughs> no, we're common as muck, aren't you? Part of his move to Saudi Arabia, though, doesn't get a million pound per Instagram post. He'll just be sat at home posting, oh, Saudi Arabia is brilliant to make up for the yeah. goal bonus he's losing. Yeah. It's ridiculous. It's crazy, so, money. Right. A bit, bit on to your career, Stoney. So you mentioned that you were centre-half as a kid. Was it ever a choice between centre-half and goalkeeper? Or did you fall into being a goalkeeper because you were taller, bigger? What? Like We heard stories about how other people have fallen into positions. So how did that work with you? So it's a bit of a strange one, really, because... I used to obviously love being centre-half. Um, but as I started to get a bit older, so I was about 13, 14, um, we always like had like mess about penalty shootouts and stuff like that in in the team that I was playing for. And I just chucked myself in, in between one of the tournaments and saved quite a lot of the lads' penalties. So the lad who was currently playing in goal for our team, he, he wasn't quite confident. And we got to a penalty shootout. And I think I'm pretty sure it's to get to like a cup final or something like that. And our manager said, Stop, you fancy it? Like, I know he's not great at penalties. And I seen you. So, yeah, yeah, of course, yeah. I think I saved three out of the five and we went through. And then the following season, he said, the manager came to me and he said, like, Look, I'm bringing in two, two new centre halves, but I think you'd do a good job for us um, in goal. And at that time, I'd, I'd been going to like these goalkeeper training camps, that sort of thing, and picking it all up and starting out and that sort of stuff. So it was something that I wanted to do. Um, 
and luckily I've managed to make a career out of it so far, so that's how it's gone. Quality. Quality. To be fair, I, I'd remember... I used to I... go to them goalkeeping training camps with Fred Barber. Oh, I've heard about Fred. Fucking hell, Fred Barber. Used to bat to you. Because he was... He was he was took the veil goalkeepers when we were under thirteens and he battered us and it was horrible, like to the point where you didn't want to go because it was freezing cold on a Wednesday night and he'd just have you slapping about in this mud for an hour and a half and it was vile, but it was no there was no telling Fred he was brutal. I've heard a lot about his sessions from a few of the lads that I've played with. And well, yeah, because he'd have been up he, Bolton way, wasn't he? I think he was at Bolton for a long time as well. So that was kind of, yeah. Apparently, his sessions weren't too bad, Tommy. Just picked on you because you were as irrational dislike. <laughs> <laughs> um, mate, again, like you, wouldn't be irrational, mate. <laughs> You'd have to join the queue. <laughs> Fair enough. And Stoney, you won two England schoolboy caps whilst at Brockton. How were you scouted? Um, is that, that's what it says on my Wikipedia, and I'm pretty pissed off with that because I won more. No, oh, oh, more. Oh, I thought I thought you were going to say I didn't win any. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, I've, I've I've seen a I've seen a picture of him in goal for England schoolboys. So it was um, yeah. So we played. I think it was oh, it was obviously like the centenary shield that sort of thing. So there's England, Wales, Scotland, Northern Ireland. And I, uh, Republic of Ireland in it, um, but yeah, going back to how I got picked up for that. So the school that I did um, my education at through sixth form, they put me forward to Staffordshire County to play for them. Um, was playing well for Staffs County, and they put me then forward to the England Schoolboys Trials. Um, we played at Keele University in the first trial to go through to like a northern versus southern sort of team. Um, Save the penalty again. It's becoming a theme. Uh, More on that later. (laughs) So obviously I must have impressed them then, but I ended up getting injured um, for the next trial and only managed to play five or ten minutes. And my dad had driven me all the way up to Manchester to, to go for this trial and that and luckily they said like that we've already made our mind up you you through so I think so I was quite thankful uh for that so it just it just some things fall into place don't they at the end of the day and that was one of those that luckily went my way how many caps did you get so in total including the like say the international friendlies against Australia um I think it was five or six in total but you only you do actually only end up with the with the one cap at the end of it to kind of say oh yeah look you played for England schoolboys rather than say like the England squad get a cap every single time they play. Yeah, we'll go with six then. Josh Green, if you're listening, which you will because you listen to them all. He's a IT whiz. Get on Wikipedia and change it over for Stoney. Yeah, that, that, I appreciate that. That was uh, they were the ones that used. They used to be on Sky Sports, didn't they? Years ago on a Friday night. Yeah, years ago, yeah, because at the time when I was playing for them, I was thinking, oh, we'll get one on TV here, and it was, no, it was, it was never, it never went, no. <laughs> so, um, just tell us how big of a jump moving to Burnley was for you. Oh, massive, massive, massive jump for me personally, including, like, for everything, for 
first time I'd been away from my parents, uh, lived away from home. Um, I just got with my missus. So I think we were like a month, two months into the relationship. So, we, you know, it was only young as well at the time. So it was a case of, is it going to work out? Luckily it has. Um, but yeah, even like the standards, because I was going from playing with my mates on a 3G Astro in school football leagues to, to then playing with Premier League players. It was, it was crazy. It all happened so quickly. Are you kind of a little bit like in awe when you when you get there? Are you a bit like, oh shit, all this is madness? Oh, like, it was yeah, definitely. Because I I went up I went up on the train to to Burnley, and I don't know if you've ever done it. I don't know. I wouldn't recommend doing a train journey to Burnley because it's an absolute nightmare. Um, so I was shitting myself throughout the whole entire journey, thinking what's going to happen. Um, didn't want to miss any trains, miss a stop. So then my opportunity is gone. Luckily, managed to get on all of them. And then I remember walking into the canteen, and you've got all of these Premier League players that you've watched on match of the day the previous Saturday night, and they're all so humble, so nice to you. All right, mate, how's it going? You know, you know, what? Like, you don't know what to say to them. But no, it was. Like you say, I was definitely in awe of of the whole entire place. And how old were you at this point? I was seventeen. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Fucking hell, braver than me at seventeen. I'll be honest. Yeah. We won't ask Johnny what he was doing at seventeen. Um, prob prob probably going to Burnley for a different reason. So. What was that? <laughs> I'm, I'm not sure. Time we played Burnley, wasn't it? Oh, I thought you were going to say like there's the best knocking shop in the country there or something like. That, that, that's your that's your um <laughs> that, that, that's your way you you like you like getting laid. Oh, flooring joke, nice. Yeah, yeah Stoney wouldn't have understood that then either yeah. because he wouldn't know what my job is. <laughs> he just kind of looked and thought, I don't know, I, I take this. <laughs> he, I'm pretty certain he would have seen you knocking around the club like pretending to do work. Uh, try and keep myself to myself. <laughs> well, what's your dream? I'll go yeah. in the office and get some information. <laughs> Talking about the big jump, obviously England goalkeepers at the, at the time were there, and Nick Pope, Tom Eaton, Joe Hart. Like that must have been some something special for you to get, to go and work with them guys. Yeah, it was probably the best experience that I've had to date. Um, in terms of going to train with those guys every single day, seeing them on and off the pitch, what makes them so good. Um, you know, even the academy lads that were there as well at the time, you know, we we always, always had like a close bond, obviously, with the, within the goalkeeping department. Um, and the academy coach is trying to integrate you as much into that first team environment as possible. But at the end of the day, it's down to yourself, learning from those three England internationals at the time, which, like you say, to have that goalkeeping squad department, whatever you want to call it, at a club like Burnley was incredible. Was, did, was Joe, on, I'm, I'm following it up, sure up, Bez. Um, was, was, was Joe Hart the one that demanded the standards? Because watching him play for England, seeing seeing how much he, he cared, and we saw him when he was at Shrewsbury, and he was 
17, I think, at Shrewsbury. And he, he felt like, man, he felt like someone that played three, 400 games at that point. He was, he was barking people, screaming, shouting. Is, was he the standard bearer at the time? I wouldn't, I wouldn't say he was personally. Obviously, his standards were so high. All of their standards were so high. But I would say it was more heat. He was like something that I'd never, ever seen before. The guy was playing Nintendo DS brain training before he was going out to train just to switch his brain on ready to, to go into training. So I was watching that thinking, like, is that, I need to go and get myself a Nintendo. Where <laughs> <laughs> do I get one of that from this afternoon? <laughs> That's what's going to make me a Premier League footballer. I'm going to go home and play Nintendo DS all night, brain training. Yeah. Um, but yeah, again, Hearty's um, demands and stuff like that. He's a big kid, Hearty is. Like, I don't know if you've ever seen any videos that have been put up on YouTube with different, obviously different people. I was watching one um, a few weeks ago with Ben Foster. You can just see that that's the way Hearty is. He's just mental. Um, he'd just come into the gym. He'd have the loudest music on, heavy bass just with his top off, pumping, pumping weights. He's just yeah. like, you know, he's, he's just energetic, bouncing around. So that he was definitely a good character to, to learn from as well. Quality. And yeah, Johnny, your question was better than mine. I was going to say at that time, did Joe Art use head and shoulders? And is that where the sponsorship deal come from? <laughs> <laughs> no, I don't think he was, no, but his hair, <laughs> his hair was, it was in good condition, let's just say that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and I bet he, he made sure of it. Yeah, you're training Oh, God, I bet. And then moving on from that, why did your time at Burnley come to an end? I think it was just down to the fact I was getting to, what would I have been, turning 20. And at that time, you obviously you had those three England, England international goalkeepers there. And I don't think the probably the first team really saw a pathway for me to at the standard I was at at the time to, to ever really challenge and become become what what they wanted me to become um, so I think in the end I think it was probably actually the best thing that's happened to me Fair. So you went on then and you went to Mansfield mm-hmm. um, you spent two years there um, and then it kind, of, it kind of came as a bit of a surprise that you were released from there. How did that affect you? Like, how did you deal with that? That was yeah, that was tough. Um, I'd gone through a lot whilst being at Mansfield. Um, obviously, there's certain things that I can't really say um, regarding my, my own personal life. Um, but... It was tough to deal with because for so long in that second year at Mansfield, probably from the January onwards, we were talking about a new contract um, and it just went on and on and on and on uh, until a, a day before the last home game of the season. So the week before we played Vale um, as the last game and my agent rung me and said, yeah, they're, they're not giving you a new deal. So then I was absolutely scrambled because my missus was pregnant with our eldest. And I'm thinking, shit, I've got to try and find something here where I can either 
you know, I looked into actually quitting football and going into just regular, regular work because I thought, you know, I need to provide for, for my family. So that was a tough one to deal with. And obviously I didn't sign for Vale then until it was probably the second week of pre-season. So that went on for some time. And obviously my missus is getting bigger and bigger and it's close, it's getting closer to, to the baby being born. Yeah, it sounds it sounds like a tough one, and obviously, like as you say, you, you signed for us. Then, um, before we get on to a bit more about you, you were signed to compete with Lucas. Mm-hmm. Just how mad was Luke? Because from from a, from a fan's perspective, he, he looked like he was mad as a box of frogs. And we know you keepers are wired up a little differently, but that was <coughs> special. Lucas is a top top guy. Honestly, like there's so much stuff that. He would do you, yeah. He is a nutter, but he's a top, top guy. Honestly, he's a good character to have in the dressing room. Um, probably the most flexible. We used to do yoga at Vale um, quite regularly, and he was probably the most flexible man I have ever seen in my life. He would, some lads would be like so stiff doing like all these yoga poses and stuff like that, but he, he was just like incredible um but as you say nutter but top top guy to have have around the place we haven't got this down for later so i'm going to ask now did he ever say what was going through his head when he come out and fly kicked annie mccurdy he didn't no actually no i never i never asked him why um i'd actually love to know the reason why he did that but yeah I wish I would have asked him that. Yeah, because the ironic thing for me is he was probably having his best 45 minutes in a veil shirt because Swindon yeah. battered us that day. Yeah. But he pulled off some worldies and then he just come out and fly kicked him. And it was like, oh, you've just cost us this game then. I think that's yeah, just the effect that. Harry McCurdy has on people though, isn't he? Just a twat. Because <laughs> <laughs> I remember sitting there in that first half. It was, for me, obviously, I was sitting there and he was freezing on the bench. Um I was thinking, God, this guy's having a good game. I, I can't see myself getting in any time soon. Um, and he does that. And I remember as soon as he as soon as he did it, I started to get stripped off and changed. And I just remember Cross turning around and shouting at me saying, sit the fuck down in case I don't send him off. Otherwise, the fourth might see you getting stripped and that might make the decision for him. So I quickly put my stuff back on and he gets sent off and then I've got to scramble to get myself changed again. Yeah, weird, weird. But yeah, moving on, the start of the Vale, obviously we started that first season Northampton away and you started on the bench, but then Lucas got himself sent off on that day. So you come in for three games while Lucas was suspended and then straight back out again. How do you deal with that? Because I thought you did okay in them three games and Lucas is straight back in after doing what he did. Again, tough. It's tough when you think you're doing well. Um, but I think Gafford had, had kind of made his mind up who who he saw as the number one at that point. Um, and I, you can't blame him for wanting to give Lucas another chance. Uh, but again, it's it's obviously me who suffers suffers from that. But it is what it is. You know, I spoke with um, Ronnie Sinclair and just said, 
what do you think I need to work on to, to get back in the team? So just went away and just kept plugging away and just kept performing in training. Fair enough. Um, so January and another red card for Lucas. Obviously the Swind- <laughs> Swindon one we're talking about. Um, so that, that kind of opens it opens itself up as your chance again to come through then. And then we see Thomas Holy come through the door as well at the same time. Did you ever think then it was a bit, does the gaffer not fancy me here or is this, am I not quite there or is there something going on here? What kind of goes through your head at that point? Again, it's tough because I thought, you know, I think I broke into, I got back in the team for the Papa John's game, obviously against Rotherham. I'd done well, played really well. And the gaffer kept me in for the Bristol Rovers in the FA Cup game. And I played well in those. And we, I remember we had that big break then from like the start of December um, because of COVID until the Brentford game. Yeah. The Cup. So I remember thinking like, yeah, I've, I've played well. Here. He's going to keep me in. Obviously, Lucas gets sent off. I come back in, do all right. Um and he brings big Thomas in. And at that point, I'm thinking, Jesus Christ, I can't catch a break. Because no matter what I did, it didn't seem to be good enough at the time. But luckily, you have your family around you for support and you take your mind off it. Um, obviously, having my little boy, that took my mind off, off football completely. Um, so, again, it was just a case of going back to the training grounds, trying on the pitch, just just trying to improve constantly and constantly and just keeping your eye in with the gaffer, having conversations with him, you know, open, good, honest conversations as to where do you think I'm at? What do you think I need to improve? How am I going to get into the team? So, again, it was just a case of doing that. Did you, you know... Did, oh, sorry, I was going to say, did you, did you know at the time then that that was Lucas Dunn? Or was there still a bit of a, there's three goalkeepers here, we're fighting for two two spots in the squad? Like, or was that, it? was it quite, quite obvious that it, because it seemed to be to us fans, it was quite obvious that that was Lucas Dunn. Yeah, it was, obviously he was training with us still, you know, there was nothing like a segregation, keeping him away from the squad, blah, blah, blah. Um, but probably for me and Thomas, it was quite obvious that, it was just the, me and him competing for, for that number one spot. Um, obviously, Lucas was performing, still performing well in training and stuff like that, but I think it kind of sealed his fate with that with that red card against Swindon. And I can remember going back to that game, you know, I don't, I don't think he came and apologised to the lads. I might be wrong. I'm, I can't really remember back to that time. Um but uh, yeah, again, I think the writing was on the wall for him after that game. Yeah, and the sentence before you said couldn't catch and Thomas Oley in the same sentence. So was he as bad on the training pitch as he was on the <laughs> actual pitch? Or <laughs> feel, feel free, say no comments. You, you absolute stitch off. <laughs> boy like that now. He's... <laughs> no, Thomas, Thomas is a great lad. Honestly, he's, he's helped me. He helped me so much. Um, because he came in and 
I, I remember the first day they came in, obviously six foot nine. I was thinking, yeah, Christ Almighty, like, there's no chance I'm going to play. But Thomas was brilliant. He was good on the training pitch. There was stuff that we could bounce off each other. Um, and and when I got back in the team over him, he was so good with me because you know sometimes you can get goalkeepers that would possibly hold a grudge against the other one playing. But again, he was he was top top, you know, especially because he he'd not played many games. I think maybe he was probably thinking that he was a bit harsh. Um, but again, he was he was a top guy with me, and again another good character to have in the dressing room. Yeah, and, and you say about breaking in, that, that was about March time when you broke in and finally kept the shirt. Mm-hmm. We, we, was that, were you feeling like properly on top of the world world at that point, thinking, there you go, I've, prove, I've proven it all? Did you, did you think it was a combination of maybe the others haven't done it? Or how, how does that, how, how do you feel at that stage? I remember, I think it was after the Colchester game, wasn't it, where we lost. Was it one nil? Uh, and in that week, I, did, I don't know if we might have had a couple of days off or something like that. But I remember Cross ringing me on the on the Wednesday, just as I was about to walk through the door to to my missus and, and my little man, saying, "Stony year, I'm going to start here against Crawley. Um, I think you've been excellent in training, blah blah blah." And I just remember going in and hugging my missus and like I actually broke down in tears because I felt like I'd been doing so much and sacrifice not seeing my little man at times till silly o'clock at night obviously I was coaching with with the lads at um, PLA at the time as well so I was I was thinking of other avenues and stuff like that and yeah the, the relief when he said like you were playing against Crawley, I, I knew that I had to take that chance massively to to give myself any sort of success within my career. Yeah, yeah. And you took the chance, you got us through to the end of the season, into the playoffs, leg one comes Swindon. Full time of the first leg, how were you feeling apart from soaked wet through? Did their interviews do the team talk for us for the second leg? What were your feelings after we played the first 90 minutes down there? I think obviously we was it was I didn't actually see their interviews until after we played the second leg. Right. Yeah, I think I don't know if I think the staff had seen them and they'd spoke about them and stuff like that, but I didn't watch them until after the second leg. Uh, I think a few of the lads had seen them as well, and it had kind of pissed them off a bit, to be honest, because you know you don't say you don't come out and say stuff like that, thinking it's already done when it's only two one. So the lads were extremely motivated. I was anxious to to go into all fairness as to as to how it would go on the Thursday. But I thought there was nothing that really stood out from the first leg as to why we would be able to go and beat them, whether that be normal time or, or penalties. Okay, well that brings us nicely. So talkers Talk to us about your personal preparation then going into leg, leading up to leg two and like before the game. I, I'll be honest, I had to go to pub about 11 o'clock on the Thursday because I just felt sick at work through like nerves. I know I had to go to the pub. That was the only place for me. Um, so like just talk us kind of through 
what you did on on the morning on the on the lead up to it and everything how did you prepare for that so the lead up to the game i think the lead up to the whole playoffs we've been preparing for pen like possible penalty shootouts so again i don't know if any of the other lads that you've spoken to have, have said we've we trained in the stadium um on the main pitch so they played crowd noise through the speakers um booing and stuff like that we took penalties at both ends of the ground um we we went down every single detail as to what makes a successful penalty shootout so in terms of me after every penalty i don't know if you've ever noticed i pick up the ball go and give it to the penalty taker where I think the Swindon lads just went and picked up the ball from wherever it was. And I know it sounds so minute and so tiny, but those little details, when the ref blows his whistle, taking your time, not rushing up to the penalty to take it as soon as the whistle goes. Um, but I remember me, Lucas, I think Thomas had, had gone back by then, actually. Um, but I remember me and, Tom, uh, sorry, me and Lucas and Ronnie sat down and went through every single penalty kick that a Swindon player has ever took in their lives. So that took a good two hours in preparation after training. So that was intense. And we came to, obviously, the decisions as to which ways they would go, what we were going to do, were we going to write it on the bottle like we did do, were we going to, was Ronnie going to stick up his left hand for a left-hand dive? right hand for a right hand dive, blah, blah, blah. Um, but yeah, on the on the day, obviously I, I hate nighttime games because you're often waiting around and there's not a lot you can do. You know, you can't really go out and go and spend time doing something too active because you've got the game. I remember it was, I think it was very hot and it was just like a normal day, actually. You know, we... I was playing outside in the garden with my little man. We were just sitting outside. He we set up a little tent in the back garden for him. He was asleep in the tent. So it was just, just like a normal day sort of thing. Uh, driving to the ground again. Normal feelings. You know, it's, it's, you realise how much of a big occasion it is afterwards. And you... At the time, I, I didn't see it like that. I just kept saying to myself and to my family, it's just another game. It's another game. It is what it is. You know, you're kicking a bag of air around a pitch, as daft as it sounds. So that's how I just approached it and never never thought about it too much because I know if I did think about it too much, it would possibly affect my, my performance. And what were you feeling, so I'm not stepping on the next question here, when you walk out the tunnel for kickoff? Because that's the most electric I can remember Vale Park for years. The atmosphere was something else. And even the first 10, 15 minutes as we got on top, got the goal, the atmosphere was bouncing. What, how were you feeling in that? What Did it get to you at that point? Or was it a case of blocking it out and just carrying on? To me, that again, that is probably up there with one of the best atmospheres that I've played in because I think that was the first time that the fans had been in the Hamel, that I'd seen yeah. in the Hamel, let's say. Yeah. Um, and that made running to that end for that specific game was incredible. 
you know, you saw the amount of people um, that were packed in there with banners, flags, you know, the noise that was coming from the stadium. I think it just filled everybody with so much confidence. You know, the first goal went in and I remember there was a flare through, through next to my goal and I was absolutely raging because I thought we could go and get another one straight away. And it delayed the kickoff. Um, and I think there was someone, I don't know if it was Hawley actually that was raising as well. And he, I think he ended up going to pick it up and the steward was having a, have a pop, having a pop at Hawley because he was picking up the flare. But yeah, it was crazy. Absolutely madness. Yeah. Yeah. You, you, say, you say it was crazy and madness. So firstly, we need to say thank you for the three penalty saves. Secondly, <laughs> what a feeling for you that must have been. Yeah. Again, incredible because, you know, sometimes I, when when whoever I'm playing with now, if we have a penalty, I can't look at a penalty. I can't watch them, but I watched the lads take the penalties in that in that semi final, and I remember seeing the look on Waz's face. It was so reliable, and you wouldn't have you know he hadn't missed a penalty in the in the lead up to to practicing and stuff like that, and you know you saw uh, Ryan's penalty trickle into the keeper's arms and I knew I knew that he was going to adopt that style of penalty but it just looked terrible to watch um, so I really felt for those guys but then to, to save the ones that I did and you know it, it, it cancels itself out nobody will, nobody will remember those those penalties so you know it's one of those so from from your point there, so like you've got tunnel vision at that minute of saving that penalty. When you've saved that penalty, and you look up and see six, seven thousand people sprinting towards the pitch, how does that how does that look and feel? Because like it it must be it must be mental. Yeah, well, I remember the the one that stands out for me is because I had so much adrenaline and. I didn't actually know the score, what we was at. So I think it was Davidson's penalty. I didn't, I didn't realise at the time if I didn't save that, that they would have gone through. Yeah. Yeah. So I think in a way that actually helped me, not even think about, oh God, I've got to save this one, that sort of thing. So I remember, I think it was like I've watched it back so many times, and I just remember seeing TC and. I don't know if it might have been uh, Chris Hussey, like sprint down there. I'm thinking these guys are injured or something not right. <laughs> <laughs> but no, I remember after obviously seeing all the fans run on, I, I can just remember the lads running towards me and I just wanted to celebrate with them because we've been through so much that season to, you know, and I think we were all disappointed that we actually didn't get promoted automatically. Um, so, to get through to obviously to play at Wembley is stuff is what everybody dreams of. Um, but to see the lads and obviously all the fans afterwards running towards me—that's something that you never expect to happen in your career. And all of a sudden, it happens after such a, a strange year. It was incredible. I'm getting goosebumps talking about it. Yeah, I, I'm actually, and we'll never. I'm shaking with adrenaline talking about that that moment because every time every time I see it, like sometimes it'll just pop up randomly on like my Twitter or something like that. And 
I think there was one the other day, I was scrolling through TikTok and it was just a random Vale fan account. And it was something like um, what if moments. And it was obviously what if Willow didn't score the goal at, in the first leg and then my say from, from uh, Davidson in the second leg. And it was like, wow. Yeah. yeah. What, what if? Yeah, no, it's amazing. I'm getting goosebumps talking about it. And obviously that led to Wembley. And then Wembley, you're getting start. What's that day like for you? Because we'll never get bored of talking about it. Do you prepare as a normal match? Was there anything you did different? What's the build-up like on the day leading up to kick-off at Wembley? Yeah, it was absolutely hectic because you, as soon as we got through to Wembley, then you had to sort out so many tickets for your families and stuff like that and who was going to sit where, blah, 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 what sort of price. So you had all that to sort out in the build-up um to it so it was making sure that all my family were available for for that day and it was tough because it was so frustrating as well at the time because as much, i wanted my, my little boy to be there but you weren't allowed under two-year-olds to actually go in the stadium which i thought was a stupid rule i can't imagine why why under twos can't be allowed in but so anyway it was a case of like sorting out with my missus what was going to happen with who was going to come up and look after him because obviously I wanted her to be there because she's been through me on the whole journey. Um, the build-up was, again, just the approach was very similar to, to the semi-finals. It was the possibility of penalties. So again, I sat down with Ronnie and Lucas, went through the penalties again. Um, we just approached it like a normal a normal game. We We knew... We knew how Mansfield played because we'd, you know, taken four points off them that season, um, and not so long ago we'd obviously beat them at home. So we knew again what to expect from them. We knew their threats, their weaknesses. Um, so the build was really enjoyable. You know, we we'd gone to a really we stopped in a really nice hotel. Um, I was room sharing with Mal Benin, so I'd I'd bagged the the, the king size bed to make sure decent sleep, uh, which I'm not sure I'm not sure Mal was too happy about, but he scored, so he can he can always say that. Um, but I remember we we'd had dinner as you normally would, and Cross had said. Oh, lads, before you all leave, there's something that I want you to watch. And it was personal messages from, from family members um, of how much it, it means to to them to see us doing well. You know, you've got... So for me, I'd got my, obviously my, my little boy and, and my missus, my mum and dad, um, my missus side of the family, all saying that how proud they were of me. So that was you know, really, really nice. And again, for the rest of the lads, it was it was a really, really nice touch. Um, and it, it actually, again, like it's making me have goosebumps talking about it and talking about the, the videos and stuff like that because it was such a special moment where, again, I think obviously the gaffer had gone through what he'd gone through and we were all so together. Yeah. Um, and there's nothing that... I don't think there was anything that could stop us from from setting out what we'd set out to achieve on that day.
it's uh, you, you, you've just finished it nicely with that one. Um, I was just about to say the start could have been a little bit different, though, couldn't it? I think there was, was there a mix up between you and Gibbo that forced a good save, and then uh, Connor Hall cleared one off the line at some point. It, how do you kind of shake that off and kind of say, shit, right, head on, that's happened, let's get over it now? I remember, I remember at the time I'd shouted away for that one with Gibbo. So I shouted away and thought, oh, actually, fuck, I can get there. So I'd started to come. I think Gibbo had filmed me coming. We both stopped thinking that the other one was going to um, Luckily, I, the guys just headed it straight at me. And I remember Gibbo turning around to me and giving me a mouthful. <laughs> I was going to say, I can't imagine it was uh, pleasantries coming yeah. out of Gibbo's mouth at that uh, point. I just went, all right, Gibbo, yeah, that's fine. That's me. Let's just crack on. Um, the one with Hawley, it's a poor ball, actually, from, from the Mansfield lads who's delivered it. Um, and it should be routine, but Again, I'd, I'd done exactly the same in the Swindon game and made it look so clean and easy. So I probably, maybe a little bit of lapse in concentration, but I remember the gaffer saying to me at half-time, <laughs> a few expli- you know, explicit words about switching on and staying focused and stuff like that. And I thought, yeah, shit, yeah, you're right. So it was just a case of cracking on with it and getting over it and, praying that we could get another goal that would, you know, kill any momentum that they had. And second half, you made some cracking saves. You know, I remember one you tipped wide, shot from distance. And I was different to all other Vale fans because everyone around me, when they had a man sent off, was still nervous. And as soon as they had a man sent off, we were playing that while I was, this is in the bag, it's done. And I never feel like that with Vale. But some had just said, as soon as they went down to 10, we're playing too well to throw this away. Did you feel like that or was it a case of let's kill the game? I think I, me again, I was very similar. It was like, yeah, I think the game's done, but in my head, it's never done. Like, it's never done. So I'm certain that we need to get another goal just to completely kill off anything. Um, but I think, like you said, I think there was nothing really on the day that they actually troubled us with. It was probably like, like you mentioned, like our own, you know, our own mistakes or anything like that. They, they actually had a sniff. Um, so I thought that we would completely control the game from there on in. Obviously, having the extra man helps. Um, you look at the lads that that were in the middle of the pot. Like, uh, Jake Taylor ran the game. Jake Taylor was fucking incredible that day, uh, wasn't he? Yeah. Ran the game. And I, I, I was so happy for him because he's had so many setbacks and injuries that season to put in a performance like that in the, in the playoff final to get us promoted was incredible. He and Arrett's performance always jumped out as well because he, he, he was another one that felt like he was as daft as a brush when you listen to him talk, but game on a pitch and he was just the, the sort of player you want in your team. Yeah, Keane's a funny guy. He's like he's probably the thickest bloke I've ever met. <laughs> <laughs> Honestly, God, some of this come out with, you think like, how have you, how have you managed to get to this point in your life with that? You know, is he that bad, is he? Oh, he is beyond. And then, then when he talks as well, obviously you've heard him talk. And yeah, I think... 
icky Yorkshire accent. I think the yeah. fans l- fell in love with him from his first interview because of his thick Yorkshire accent. Uh, yeah. It's t- saying he's he was a better player than his dad. <laughs> Dad's rubbish. Yeah, yeah that's that, that was Kez, and he again he was brilliant. He was brilliant, and I think his performances. He was just an animal when he went on the pitch. He just wanted to run and run and run and run and run. And when you've got someone in your team that is willing to do that, then it's it's obviously a good thing. Uh, so you can't complain. Yeah, no, that's it. And obviously we we ended up winning comfortably. And then you got Young Player of the Year, twelve month contract extension. Did you think at that point I'm number one now? I did, yeah. I've got to be honest, yeah, I did. Um, but you'd seen it so many times that previous season that, you know, obviously with what happened with Lucas and Thomas going back, I kind of knew that the club would bring somebody in. Um, it was very obvious that they would. I didn't know what sort of player they would bring in, whether it'd be someone more experienced, someone to back me up, you know, Maybe someone who's, you know, 35, 36, uh, an old level head that's going to basically tell me I'm the best goalkeeper there's ever been to live every single day of the week in training. Um, So, yeah, it was a case of me thinking, yeah, I'm the number one now. I've got a, I think I'd backed it up to a reasonable extent. Um, the previous season and I was really looking forward to, to that challenge going into the next one Yeah and you talk about backing up the previous season I remember the Mansfield at home game in the league and a save you made where the ball come across the six yard box come to their striker at the back post and you threw yourself across and the entire stadium got up and gave you a standing ovation for that save, can you remember that one and what do you remember of that one? Oh well, I remember it alright <laughs> <laughs> This is background on his phone. (laughs) (laughs) 25 times. (laughs) Um, Yeah, I remember that that game again. That was, for me, that was the first time that I'd played against Mansfield since leaving. And they went 1-0 up, didn't they, quite early on. Um, And I I don't know if we went into half-time 1-1 and... Yeah, 1-1 at half-time, I think, wasn't it? Um, and I think there was the... There was obviously that save where Azo Martin makes a very good block just before and it falls so kindly to their lad on the six-yard box and I just threw myself across. Luckily, it stuck to my ribs underneath me and I've managed to get on the second. So, again, that was just a case of, thank fuck I've made that save. Because it could have it could have turned out differently, you know. And I think there was one a little bit later on where we're two one up, and Smudges tried to clear it, and I've somehow managed to stick a hand up in time and tip it onto the bar. Um, yes. Not that I've watched that one a million times either. <laughs> You've got to get the good ones in, mate. Oh yeah, yeah. I, I, like just... <laughs> I just remember the old stadium getting up and applauding that one from the six-yard box. Mm-hmm. Because it felt like a big save at the time. It felt like, Christ, that this game could have gone differently. And you look back now, we might not have made the playoffs. Yeah, that's what I mean. You don't realise stuff like that until after after the season finished or stuff like that. Um, you just think about it in the game moment. Um, and it was obviously quite nice. Quite a nice feeling to do it 
in that game specifically. Um, yeah. So for me, you know, that was the first time I think I'd heard the fans sing or any fans sing my name. Uh, so I, I, I was loving it, you know, as, yeah. as, as you would. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, it was brilliant. brilliant. So I've rewound there. Let's go back to the new season. Now we're back in League One and Jack Stevens comes in. So what was your relationship like with him? Because there's some rumours that maybe he wasn't great throughout the season. It was okay. I think I think we had a, quite a decent relationship, to be honest. Um, there was obviously times where one or the other would be pissed off because that's natural, you know. Everybody, every footballer wants to play. You know, you don't play football, you don't start playing football and, and want to sit on the bench for for your entire career or anything like that. I mean, if you do, then I don't see the motivation for for, for actually playing the game, but. Yeah, it was. I think um, I'd obviously heard a lot about Jack previous in previous seasons. Um, I think he'd done quite well in the COVID season and got to the playoffs. Oxford um, at the time he was with. I think he was with the same branch off my agency, so I kind of knew knew about him a bit from there. Um, but yeah, the, like like the relationship with him was good. There was times where. We'd come in early and I'd pick him up from the apartments in Hanley. Um, we'd do gym together, you know, stuff like that. And I think we had a decent decent enough relationship within yeah. within that. And when we signed him, what was Daryl like with you? Did he sit you down and say, look, I'm bringing him in and you're number one, he's number one, or battle it out between yourselves? Was he? Did he have that open conversation with you? He did. He did have a conversation with me. Um, and it was before the Bolton game. Obviously, that was that was when I got dropped, and Jack came in. And it, to be honest, to to Jack, he had a very good game. Um, but yeah, the conversation was a bit a bit of a weird one because he'd said obviously things to me and said different things to other people, like media and stuff like that. And it, it didn't really sit well with me. So obviously, I naturally you go and have a conversation then. And just to clarify things, and it was just a, a miscommunication, and things had just come across differently. So, again, I had that conversation with the gaffer that you know, obviously, a, a good few times. Um, so it was nothing, nothing out of the ordinary. That's fair. So, oh, go yeah, on, Johnny. I've always got about that season because I, I realised that we moved swiftly on because swiftly, very swiftly. I thought, yeah, that. <laughs> yeah, it was a rough season, wasn't it? So I've. I've condemned it to the backs but that there was a lot made on social media about expected goals versus expected saves Bez absolutely adores it don't you Bez it's it's your life it's your life I fucking hate the expected goals (laughs) yeah I I mean it's only you Johnny who loves it (laughs) Um, I'll have have you know I've always said to you I don't love it I think it tells tells a part of a story but watching it with your own eyes is important as a keeper is that something now that you that you have to look at is it is something that you actually take note of or do you know if you should like obviously you know if you should have saved one don't you yeah you you know you know when you could have done better and what different things you know you could do better but to be honest I I think some that's like that are uh, very misleading because you know you, you've got like what you know one person might 
think an expected goal is different to the next or you know simple stuff like that and I think sometimes it got blown out of proportion last year um, with with you know that stat um, it's not something that really affected me because we'd have that many meetings with Nashi and, and go through different things that we just clarify it and you put it into context um, so it wasn't something that you really think about you just crack on with the game yeah and i've got a couple more from that season before we move on to after that first one how did it feel coming off after the oxford away game because we lost four nil and from my memory none of the four goals were your fault and you pulled off an absolute worldly save near the end when we were already four nil down but you still pulled off an absolute worldly save do you come off thinking do you know what i've had a good game there because i thought you did at oxford away and it's just the outfield players let you down or do you come off you're obviously pissed off because we've lost, but can you take any credit that, you know what, I couldn't do anything about the goals and I pulled off a worldie that I had no right to save, or is it just a case of fucking now we've lost 4-0? Before you answer that, I'm going to be a bit of an arsehole here. Um, you say none of them were his fault. One of them was. Oh, fucking hell, I'm off. Go on, yeah, one. I know which one you get. I know which one, because I was actually going to say that myself. Um, yeah, the first one for me, I'm out of position to start with. And I think it's like a quite a quick, quick transition, should I say, from middle of the pitch, the guy dribbles all the way um, to the 18-yard box. It's a minging shot by him. Good, powerful, don't get me wrong. But I've got to put that into a better area. Uh, ah, yes, I remember it now. Yeah. So, I, I, again, I looked at... I looked at that myself in Nashi because I, I, as soon as we got back on the coach, I wanted to watch the goals back um, because I instantly thought, well, is there anything I could have done? I knew at the time I could have put it into a better area, but as well, I think I think it's Sammy who has maybe like a little mislapse in concentration and the guy just runs from behind him and, you know, taps in the rebound. But again, it's something that you learn from. And it is what it is. I think the other goals were soft goals to concede um, as a team. You know, on the day that 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 wasn't that wasn't us. Um, you know, I think we've been doing really well up until up until that that result as well. Um, but like you say, I, I made a couple of good saves towards the end. But I'd come off the pitch so drained and pissed off because that was a game where I had a chance to really stake my claim to get back in the team with Jack not being allowed to obviously play against his parent club and we'd lost 4-0 so even though I'd made a couple of good saves and my kicking was decent blah 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 I'd still thought like yeah what can I do it's one of them just yeah. going to back on and get, get, get on with it. Yeah. And one more from that season. I don't think we've asked a player this before. Up to the Peterborough game, we were having a fantastic season. We were up there in and around the playoffs. We lost live on tally to Peterborough and the wheels completely and utterly fell off from there. From a player's perspective, someone in the dressing room, what went on? What went wrong from a side that looked cohesive, knew what they were doing to all of a sudden we couldn't string two passes together? 
I don't actually, I can't really put a finger on exactly what it was. I think there was a combination of things. There was disagreements a lot of the time in how we should do certain things. And I think, I think that then led into, you know, obviously we'd had disagreements in the past, but we'd never, never let it affect, affect the Saturday. And I think that started to, to take its toll on, on a Saturday and we'd probably take that out on the pitch. And eventually that, that led to us going on uh, such a bad streak that from us being, you know, we could possibly challenge for playoffs here in our first season back in League One to, shit, we might be lucky just to stay up. So I think it was a, just a combination of things, really. Fair enough. Was quite horrible towards the end, wasn't it? Yeah. <laughs> it was hell. Having to having to celebrate another team's draw another team drawing four four when we've just been beaten three two at Charlton. Yeah. Just just because we're staying in the league is is madness. Yeah. Um especially when we're bloody I think was it the Sheffield Wednesday game we went into, we were ninth, they were fifth, and we would have got a point behind them had we beat them. Something like that. And I don't think we played particularly badly at Sheffield Wednesday. That was the game in between Christmas and New Year, wasn't it? Yeah, that's um, what Mike yeah. gave the pants away, wasn't he? Which I don't blame. It was a penalty, but it was one of them that just happened. It's it not just like... hit him, did it? Yeah, yeah. But um, but yeah, so uh, so finally, obviously, we, we get to this summer and Connor Ripley comes in. And then, was it the next day or a couple of days after... Um, you leave the club, or maybe the same day. Um, you leave the club. Was that a difficult decision? Was it? Was that because you wanted to be number one? Was that what was? What was? What was behind kind of that? Like, was it? A, was it a football decision from the club? Or we? So I'll, I'll be brutally honest. I knew I hadn't had the best season, and I knew I hadn't kicked on as much as I wanted to from the previous season. Um, so obviously Jack was going to go back to Oxford. I, I don't think they were looking at bringing him in permanently. So I was still in the contract and I knew that they would want to bring in someone who who they probably saw more of a number one. And that's the conversation that I had with Cross after, I think it was the week after the season had finished. And he just said to me, like, look, that's, that's where we're going. The club's going to bring in somebody who they see more of as a number one is yourself. Um, I'll leave the decision entirely up to you. You can stay here and fight, or we can look to either get you out on loan to go and get game time and then possibly come back with a view of, of playing here, or we can look to make it uh, a permanent. So it was a no-braining decision for me then, really. I went home, spoke to my, spoke to my missus, because she was, well, I think she was... Eight months pregnant as well with our second. Then so you've got yeah. to start making these decisions, right? You're missing. He's eight months pregnant. Mate. <laughs> not, not having the best time. Over there. I'm <laughs> very well. <laughs> but no, I thought. I thought if worst comes to worst and nothing comes up this summer, then I've got a year left on my contract. So it was always an option for me to look for loan permanent. See what comes up. Um, there was various clubs in League Two that that were that were looking, um, 
ones that I'd spoke to, had meetings with, had phone calls with, um, but nothing was was concrete until a week before we were due back for pre-season. I don't know actually if it was a week. I think it was the actual week we were due back for pre-season that Notts rang me up and said, we'd like to have you in for a meeting. Blah, blah. So I went down on the Tuesday and we were back in for pre-season on the Thursday. So I went to Notts, looked around the ground, spoke to goalkeeper coach, met the directors, blah, blah, blah. Um, and they, it, it happened very quickly. It was a case of me speaking to my agent then and, and getting it sorted because I'd gone back to, um, I spoke to Flickers obviously about there was possible, um, possible involvement with me going to Knots, and spoke to Cross, text Cross about it. Uh, spoke to Nashi, and I ended up reporting because it hadn't been finalised in terms of me signing anything I had to obviously legally come in and, and come in for the first day of pre-season at Vale so came back in on the Thursday knowing that I was going to sign my contract at Notts on the Friday um, which was nice in a way because it allowed me to, to actually go and say goodbye to a few of the lads you know a lot of the staff around the place um, me you know, I didn't get to. I haven't met any of the really any of the new lads apart from from when I went to the Burton game. Um, but I got to say, you know, a good few goodbyes to a lot of people um, that I formed quite quite close relationships with at the club. And I think out of the, you said like a, you had a conversation with quite a few League Two clubs there. Mm-hmm. I think most of us would probably be on the same page if we said. It doesn't matter. A hand handful of two League Two clubs, if not County, come calling. You have a little look, don't you? Because they're a bloody big club as well. Were... Yeah, well, that that was the thing as well because they probably sweep a lot of League Two clubs under the carpet. Decision making wise, I won't obviously name the clubs that were that I was speaking to, but as soon as I had that phone call from from the goalkeeper coach at Knotts. And I'd followed their journey the year before and, you know, obviously in the, in the National League and seeing how big the club was, the players that they were bringing in, uh, you know, they told me who they were signing, blah, blah, blah. And for me, it just seemed such an appealing project to go and be a part of showing me the style of football that the player thought, yeah, that suits me down to a T. Um Knew it was going to go, you know. Knew it was going to be tough because it is tough, and there's so much to, so much detail and, and stuff that goes into into the way we play. It's it's actually incredible. Um, but as soon as again, as soon as I got that interest from there, I thought, yeah, that that's a place where I want to go and go and stake a claim. Fair enough. So before leaving for Notts County, did you ever have a chance to leave the Vale? Like any any stage, or is it always been you 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 were with us and that was that was that really? Yeah, I had um, I had a bit of interest from other League One clubs the see just after we'd been promoted. So that that off season, I had a few interests from a few yeah League One. Yeah, there was a couple in League One and a couple in League Two. Um, I actually know the, the head of recruitment at one of the clubs. Um, 
I'd played with him previously. So he that was something that was quite close to happening. Um, but for me, what what was more important was I felt part of such a project at Vale um, and part of a very good team that could really go and have a go. And at that time, I saw myself playing more League One football, possibly with Vale, than, than anywhere else, really. Um, so that was something that was that was playing on my mind with that. And also, I had, you know, I've got, I had such a good um, affiliation with the fans. My family loved it there. Every time they'd come down to watch a game, they felt safe, you know, stuff like that. And we loved living in the area that we lived in. So all of that comes into, into your thinking as to, as to where, where you're going to go and play football, because ultimately they're the ones that follow you around. Yeah, brilliant. And then obviously you're at Notts now. The season started with a third of the way in, aren't we? A quarter of the way in. You've yeah. played most of the games. How's it going at Notts? An unfortunate sending off on the opening day. You yeah. did a Lucas. But yeah. <laughs> back, in the, back in the side since, apart from the last weekend, what went on there? Yeah, I don't really know. I can't really say too much on that. Uh, Manages the shit out. <laughs> 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 I can't really say too much as to as to what went on there. Because um, you've had a good start and you've been yeah. to most of it. You know, you're up there. Yeah, I think for me, it's obviously the first, the opening day wasn't great. Um, not what you really want when you're going into a new club, 15 minutes debut there. But I watched that though. You were sold down the river by whoever it was that gave you the back pass. Wasn't it ex-Vale central defender Connell Rawlinson? Was it Big Connell, was it? Was it Roller, was it? Wasn't yeah. Connell. It was the skipper. Um, oh. So, yeah, it was one of them things that happens. That's football yeah. at the end of the day. So, it was just about me cracking on them. Because, again, you instantly get that thought of, oh, shit, am I going to get dropped now? What's going to happen? But, luckily, the gaffers put me back in for the, for the game the following week against Grimsby. And, you know, we obviously we're doing very well at the moment, and I think we were top obviously until after the game on Saturday, where we're only where we're second now. So it's been a very good start. It's been again so much to digest um, in pre-season with the way that we play um, and understanding so much tactical and you know care and stuff like that as to as to how we how we go about our business as a goalkeeper. Because ultimately, I'm playing as a as a centre half. Um, uh, who can use my hands so it's something a bit new for me in terms of being able to be that comfortable with with pressure on you and stuff like that but you know the gaffer gives you so much confidence into into how you approach the game that you don't really you know think about it too much when you're actually on the pitch saying that and you've just brought back a memory from me at Vale that we haven't talked about and I think it was a night game and their goalie or centre off just smashed the ball 80 yards up the pitch up in the air I remember you coming out the area and just killing the ball dead with one touch can you remember that one? Yeah I think it was the Burton game wasn't it? He says, he says I think it was it's on the highlight <laughs> reel I keep telling you 
the first one, and I've not watched that one since the <laughs> Yeah, I'm going to find out in a minute that this TikTok channel that's what ifs actually Aiden and just posted up. <laughs> yeah, I think I remember saying on the podcast that night well, that that touch was better than any of our outfield players. No, that was um, again that, but that's something that goes back to when I was a kid. It was like I was always down the entry of my nan's house. It was a good good gap between the houses, so I used to just smash the ball up against the wall and keep practicing on my touch. And it's something that you always do within training, anyway. Not obviously not smashing a ball up seventy yards, but you know it's, it's something that obviously comes in handy from time to time. Yeah, there you go, Johnny. If you'd have done that, your second touch wouldn't have been a tackle throughout your career. <laughs> hey, like, my, my second touch was never a tackle. It was about fourth touch that was the tackle. <laughs> bob, bob, bobble, bobbled off the knee three times before that. Happened. So, so la- last question. Um, we, we, we talk about him on every single player podcast because... He's the most lovable player to have in your side, but must be an absolute horror to play against. Nathan Smith. <laughs> Come on. Still the about For those who can't see, Stoney just burst out laughing. <laughs> uh, which is the funniest guy that you that you will meet. If if you don't know him, he's the strangest guy you will meet. Um yeah, Smudge is absolute weirdo. No, you can't any more plain and simple than that. He's an absolute weirdo. <laughs> the stuff that he'll do in the change of room, he is why? Why would you do that? And then it's and you think, yeah, okay, fair enough. Like, you know, if we're practicing set pieces in training and the ball's like two yards away, not, you know, you're not going to smash it in because it's the day before a game. He's like tackling it in. <laughs> <laughs> He's running off it in your face saying, fuck you, Stoney, or something like that. <laughs> Smudge, I'm not trying, mate. <laughs> or, you know, laughing at you. Ha-ha, one nil. He's a great character and I can't say any... I can't say any more than that. And he's been he was brilliant with me as well when, when I went into you know, they were looking for a goalkeeper coach at um at PLA. So I gotta thank both him and T C and, and the other guy there who works there, Nick, to for giving me an opportunity to to coach young children, obviously in goalkeeping and open up my uh, a kind of door that I'd been wanting to do for a while. So that they were brilliant with me there as well, not just only at Vale. I hope you're not slapping him into the mud for an hour and a half like Fred Barber used to. The astroturf at Kiel, so they just had all those mini little black bits. Yeah, grass burns all the yeah. ass. But... <laughs> oh, no, it's brilliant. I enjoyed it. On about smudging training, did he ever come up behind you and start pinching you in training like he does on the pitch to the opposition strikers? I wouldn't say he was pinching. It was borderline something else. <laughs> <laughs> But no, he did that all the time and you'd see the lads getting pissed off about it and I couldn't help but laugh because <laughs> I'm just standing there expecting, knowing what's to come. Um, especially for like, if we had new lads come in and say like January or in the summer and stuff like that and they wouldn't know what to expect from him. And then I think he did it to Ellis 
um, on one of the first sessions that Ellis did it on. And he was in the team, and he's like, "What the fuck is this guy doing?" But <laughs> it was brilliant. As time wore on, he got used to it. It was brilliant. It was absolutely brilliant. I think the podcast we did with Ben Garrity got quite wound up telling us about Smudge doing this to him in training, saying he just grabbed you in a bad hook and you couldn't move. Yeah, that, that's what that's what I mean. That's what he's doing. He was trying to practice a set piece for for a game or something like that. There's so you know it's so important that set pieces are and he'd just be doing that to the lads, <laughs> or he'd be making he'd be making a joke or something whilst he's trying to listen to a certain part of the set pieces, and you'd be thinking, "Shut the fuck up! I can't hear what he's." <laughs> that's that smudge is a top guy. Yeah, brilliant. So, so that, any more for any more Bez? Any more questions? No, I suppose the final one there's an obvious answer, but favourite memory at Vale? Again, but surprisingly, you probably think Wembley promotion. Um, but for me, the second leg playoffs, that, that, you know, getting hoisted up in the air by the fans, that's yeah. a tough memory. So, probably that. Brilliant. And to be fair, leading up to the penalties, hearing the whole of the stadium just singing Aidan Stone Mill or that, must have shed yeah. shivers down your spine. Yeah, it was, yeah. Um, it's again only when you look back on it, you realise you realise how how big that moment actually was. Um, and to for me, for me, I can always show my children that. Yeah, that that'll be the the biggest thing that I can always show them. So for me, that's that's got to be up there. You're still very highly thought of with Vale fans, Aiden, as well. Yeah. No, I hear that. Brilliant. Uh, Pop, any more from you? No, no. I'll uh, let Stoney get off to bed, the jammy yeah. bastard. I think we've got another hour and a half or so to do here, haven't we? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Cheers, yeah. Aiden. Thank Cheers. you. you guys. Really appreciate yeah, it. Thank you. Take care. So there we go. Brilliant. And there was three. Then there was three, yeah. On on onto the Stephen he's preview plus other things. That. I enjoyed yeah. that. What a nice fella. Yeah, yeah. lovely bloke. What a and, bloody big watch on. Yeah, and, and for those <laughs> well, I say for those, no one can see, but those that can't see, you can you can see, can't you, what their memories meant to him? Yeah. He was uh you could when he said about the kind of the goosebumps and it was he was you know, we could tell he wasn't just saying it just for no, he wasn't. just for the podcast's sake. I mean, like, yeah, really nice fellow. You could see when he's been genuine. He made quite a few uh, facial expressions that made me laugh through that. I think particularly <laughs> the one when Johnny said, hang on, I'm going to call you out on Oxford away. <laughs> yeah. I, did, I did say that I was going to be a bastard. I know, I know, but I wasn't expecting I wasn't expecting you to dive straight in on that. Yeah. <laughs> oh, no, I couldn't let Bez get away with saying he wasn't a fool for any of the goals. No, I forgot about it. I just remember the save he made. But I, reckon, I reckon you pair have had that one planned. I reckon Johnny said, right, you mentioned the Oxford game and I'll plough in and tell him. <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll be glad really <laughs> <laughs> No, really nice bloke and really enjoyed that. Yeah. Yeah, really, really good one. And I think, like, like I said, we'll never get bored of talking about Wembley and the promotion season and stuff like that. But um, I have received a text message tonight whilst, whilst being on, whilst doing that from someone. Oh, oh. So 
Steve Guppy has said that he'll come on. Brilliant. I can't wait for that. We've just got to find a suitable time. Probably it's going to be an afternoon one because he's based in America. I was going to say he's based in America. Yeah. But yeah, Steve Steve Guppy's said he'll he'll come on. So get your thinking heads on, Vale fans that that, have listened. Let us know your favourite memories, thoughts, feelings, and We'll we'll put some we'll put some to gups when yeah. when we get there. Uh, we'll let you know closer to when it's going to happen. But um, so we, all, yeah. we all know I can do an afternoon podcast if you want. Cause I have to finish work about one on most days. <laughs> that that's when you do you know a bit of work. Most days it's eleven. Oh, oh the rude, how rude! Five, yeah, five, five o'clock today. Sod off. No, three o'clock. <laughs> Sounds more like it. Yeah, three o'clock. Yeah. What time do you start? Two o'clock. Uh, no, I'll leave the house at eight. Yeah, I said yeah, what time did you start? <laughs> what time do you get? Yeah. I go to the office, I have a couple of cups of tea. <laughs> I think I got to the job for about quarter past nine. Fair enough, that is nearly one for you. Oh, can um, can can I just? I'm going to use this little uh, space now before we start talking about Stevenage. Because we were made nicely aware that on one Vale fan, I was pleasantly called the Catman. The which, Catman. Which I am very, 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 very much in love with. Um, and I actually sent it to my missus and she laughed her head off for a long period of time. But then, awfully, I heard on, I was, for some reason, Radio Stoke came on. Um, when I was driving home today and they were talking about uh, a poor cat that's actually been thrown out of a moving car on the side of the A500. Um, It's broken its leg, it's broken its pelvis. And Johnny, I know you don't like cats and blah, 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 blah. But it's awful and they are actually after donations so this cat can go through the veterinary procedure that it needs. Um, It is called Terry. Um, and it's going to cost a few thousand. Um, I think they're trying to raise five grand. They're at four thousand, nearly two hundred already. Yeah. So if we can help just get it over the line, just to you know save this little cat, then please, please do. I will post a link on my Twitter. And they're laughing at me, but I fucking love cats. Yeah. I don't, no, I'm, I don't. It, but I don't. But I don't like seeing a cat launched out of a window. No, that's disgusting, and I'm trying not make any jokes here because that's disgusting. Hang on a minute, Tom. Like you say, I, I, I know I threw Stony under the bus, but like, don't make it out like I'm from some evil bastard that, that just goes around kicking cats. You said you ate them. I do hate them, but not not as much to throw them out of a car. Like you okay, said, drive. <laughs> yeah, where's where's Kate? What you're gonna say to me? Something like, "Oh, I, I know how much you hate cats, but we've had another one." Not. I know how much you hate cats, but one thing. No, do you know what? Do, yeah. do you know what? The half temptation was there to say to her today, well, ring the vets and tell him you can come live at ours, but not if he's got a five grand medical belly card. Yeah. Um, so... No, and that's, you know, whoever's done that, that's absolutely disgusting. But no, I will I will post the link out, and then if you can donate, please do, um, because it's just nice, isn't it? It is. And I've got a joke, and I'm trying not to say it. Is it something say... about pussies? No. So it's not crude and minging, is it? It's not crude like... and minging, no. It's like, what did the car sound like as it went down the motor? <laughs> <and> go, meow! 
Oh, I am going to tell my missus that after, and I'm going to record what she says. <laughs> because Johnny, I, had, Johnny enjoyed I reckon, that one. I reckon, I reckon she I might go absolutely apeshit, but then laugh, which is horrible. You're a horrible man. But anyway, right, on to Vale. <laughs> yeah, Please. I'm, I'm not going to say that joke. Oh, what no, she's here. She's oh, here. No. Oh, no. I'm not saying it again. Beth no, says, what noise did the car make when it went down the A500? Was it meow? It's not happy. <laughs> not happy. That's it. No baps for me on Saturday. No baps for Bezzer on Saturday. No. That's no. not a... That's it. That, can we please state that there's cheese and onion baps or not? Yes. Cheese and onion baps, yeah. And on that, can we move on to Saturday, we please? Can, <laughs> we can move on. We've had a message into the podcast off uh, Brendan Clark. So, hi guys, cheeky request if you haven't recorded this week's pod, and I fully understand if you decide not to do it. But send the best wishes, wishes to avid listener and best fanboy Kev Salmons, who's marrying Samantha on Saturday. He listens religiously, and we think he has a man crush on Bez. Must be those dulcet tones. P.S. Could you tell him that the Clark brothers have decided to go to Stevenage because Calvin needs to be at the needs to get the ground in, and we've and we've both been to one of his weddings before. We haven't had the guts to tell him, and it would be better coming from you. Keep up the good work. So there you go. Unfortunately, they won't be there because they've already been to one of your weddings, and Stevenage is more important. But have a cracking day. I'll be honest. Half of me then thought there was going to be a shout out to Terry the cat who's recovering in the vets. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no. Uh, if anyone can donate to the cat, go and find Tom Amos. I'll book the cat and now. Share the link. Um, let, uh, uh, thank you for the congratulations to the bloke who's getting married on Saturday as well. Yeah, congratulations. And it's Kev Salmons who's marrying Samantha. Kev Salmons, who, who fancies Bez. This is a strange one, I'll be honest. If I wasn't going Stevenage, I might turn up at the wedding, but unfortunately I'll be in Stevenage. Maybe you could take him to cinema for a date. Cinema? Film review, I've been twice this week. It's like I'm seamless. It says, I've <laughs> been twice this week. So tonight I've been seeing the new Exorcist. So it's called Exorcist Summit or other, I can't remember what. Fucking awful. Absolute dog shit. I'm surprised I didn't walk out, but I didn't. It was shite. Don't bother Just- yeah, we choked on my drink. Don't do that. She choked on the, the oh, evil spirits that wow. were inside. The oh, evil spirits. not where I thought that was going. No, I know it wasn't. <laughs> which is why I quickly clarified. So, yeah, the exorcist, dog shit. Even if you like your horrors, it was awful. If you're going, go watch it. Try and not think of it as anything to do with the exorcist and a standalone horror. And it might be a little bit better. But when you go expecting it to be linked to the exorcist, it was shite. And then I went... I was away at Leeds on Tuesday night, so I went there, Cine World, while I was up there, and I went to see The Great Escaper. That was a nice, heartful story about a 90-year-old bloke who was, true story, escaped from his care home on the 70th anniversary of the D-Day landings to go over to France and be there at the, um, I was going to say ceremony, but that sounds wrong, doesn't it, because you don't celebrate it, but... What's the word I'm looking for, lads? Remembrance service. Remembrance service. That's the lovely way of putting it. Yeah, that was a nice story. Nice story. That was worth a watch. Won't be everyone's cup of tea, but if you like that sort of thing, worth a watch. Has it pinpointed the flaws in the care room where they could just get out and go to France? Or... 
well, it does go through how we managed to get to France before anyone realised. Fair play to the youth. Yeah, Michael Caine's in it. He's done quite well getting to France, hasn't he? Yeah, so. the care home was down south near Brighton. Oh, so he's halfway there then. Yeah. But yeah, yeah still. He should have swam. Him, but... <laughs> it was 90, but yeah, that was worth a watch. So you are right, my cat story, so I'm having you on this one. <laughs> <laughs> right, I'm moving on. Super Vale away, brought to you by Andy PVFC's taxis. Johnny, do you need a taxi? Um, not this weekend, but the weekend after, I might. Oh, where are you going? It's holiday, holiday weekend after. Where are you going? Oh, are yeah. I'm in Vienna, aren't I? So I'm missing, it I'm missing means the... nothing to me. Fucking hell. <laughs> just, just, we're just not this podcast on the ad nowadays. So. <laughs> <laughs> we should have left it to Aiden Stone. We really should. It's gone so downhill since Aiden Stone left the conversation. <laughs> It's everything we've kept in whilst we've. But yes, So if you needed a taxi to the airport, who are you going to call? And Andy PVFC and get probably someone else because he'll do what he did to Jock. Yeah, probably. Well, no, and, we don't and, do that and, to Jock. Yeah, and and he's had some great reviews from listeners and stuff like that. So thanks for everyone that's that that's rang him, spoke to him, booked with him. Um. We we get no commission from it, but if you if you mention that Bez has sent you, um, yeah, you'll probably not get nothing, but they'll pick you up, still and take you home, or the airport, or both. Yeah. So there we go. We've got Andy. So yeah, we're on the road to Steve Evans's Stevenage, who in the week has called for VAR in League One. Fuck you off. Cool. Yeah. Yes. Steve asked for VAR in League One. I mean, it um, couldn't suit a bloke more, could it? It just thinks everyone's out to get him when all really he is is a cheating shite bag. Sorry, I don't like Steve Evans. Um, not, not many do, to be fair. No, I just, uh, I mean, I can't see how. Uh, it, we haven't even got goal line technology yet, have we? No. Yeah, well, the, a Stephen Hitch fan did actually put that in the comments, was like, at least, at least, give us goal line technology first, and then we'll, then we'll, then we'll discuss. Yeah, you know, so. one, one. I can't see uh, this VAR headquarters is going to have to be massive if we've got. It's got to cover four, 46 games a weekend. Yeah, definitely, definitely be ten games on a Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Then, won't they? Right. Well, exactly. Not going to be able. They can't get. They can't get four Premier League games on the same day, right? So. And then all of a sudden, you know, do we have the same, the same shit that we have with the referee? Does someone make a terrible VAR call in the Premier League, and all of a sudden the VAR in a League One game the week after, as a punishment? Yeah. You know, <laughs> let's let's get something right first before we start getting it all down the bloody leagues. Yeah, it, it was it was a it was a bold call, shall we say? Right, didn't didn't really make sense. Like, I think they had a bad decision to go against them at the weekend, and then all of a sudden he wants VAR. Yeah, but as we've seen, VAR doesn't stop bad decisions. No, so it's it's kind of like what's 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 the point, sort of thing. Like like you just said, Tom, unless you're going to get it right, 
Like, there's no point bringing it in everywhere, so it's wrong everywhere. Um, so yeah, I'm glad that we're we're all in agreement on that 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 comment being batshit crazy. So, Steve, get back in your box. But yeah, on to, on to, on to Stevenage. Um, they're fifth at the minute. Um, they've had a very good start. They've spent decent amount of money in the summer. Um, although a lot of their fans won't let you believe that they've spent money. Um, we know they have. They, you look at players like Dan Butler that they brought in. Then he's not going to be cheap, is he? Um, Nathan Thompson and stuff like that. So they, they've spent, but they spent well. Like, I'm not going to say that they've that they haven't. They've signed some really good players. Um, but yeah, bit of bit of tail of the tape going into going into the game. Um, let's say they're fifth. Um, bear with me. Where's my stats? Got an ego. They've played 13, six wins, three draws, four defeats. They've scored 18, conceded 15, and they're fifth. Let's say we 12, five wins, two draws, five defeats, scored 11, conceded 20, and we're 11th. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's pretty pretty close, really, um, in terms of record. And it shows that it shows how one defeat either way can can move you quite up and down the leagues. Um, we've had 10 days-ish off now because of the international break. Tom, do you think that will have will have helped with where we're did, at? Did they play last weekend or not? Yes, they lost 3-0 to Blackpool. That's right. why I was calling for VAR. Of course. Um, so, yeah, I mean, sometimes it kind of, I assume we will have had some days off um just to kind of recuperate um obviously apart from the lads who've been involved in internationals um maybe a chance for players to go back home see the family spend a bit of time with the family and then maybe first thing monday do you come back in and you get straight on or do you next last saturday do you get straight in and have you know six days kind of running up at it i think I, I think it's it, it's a bit of a strange one, you know. We were flying before the last international break, and then we seem to have tapered off a little bit since it. Could this one then reverse fortunes, and we, you know, we go, we go. Uh, I'd like to see us go pretty uh, well in this next four weeks before the next international break. I hope we don't then have a shit time till the next international break because that's bloody four months. But um, that, that's a long time. March, isn't it? I think that one. <laughs> yeah. A um, long but yeah, I mean, I think sometimes I, I think it probably wasn't the right time for his first time because we were playing so well. We were grinding out results. We had, um, you know, we. I, I don't think we still hadn't conceded a goal at home. Um, and then you go on this international break, you come back, and I, I think, yeah, the Northampton game wasn't a glamorous affair by any stretch. Um, and then things go slightly wrong. So could this time, could that turn it on its head a little bit? You know, is it time to regroup? And do we work on something different? Do we go into the next couple of weeks with a bit of a different outlook? Possibly. Maybe. And it was good to see on the training um pictures wanted the loft and Ucha both training so at least 
you know, the news coming out today that Wilson and Grant, it looks like eight weeks for them. So at least there's some options there. Thomas has played for Wales, so hopefully we've got options to actually play strikers this game. I would expect at least one of Ooch or Loft to be in and around Saturday. Yeah, I'd expect one to make the bench and probably Thomas to start, I think. Depend when did when did Thomas play for the under twenty ones? Well, he, he played. He, play, he played both ninety minutes for them as well for the under twenty ones. When did they play? Tuesday, I think. Was it, it at home? Um, no, I think I think the second game was away, wasn't it? Because I think obviously last time as well, Crosby kind of used the international break as a as almost a a reason to not play Thomas, didn't he? Yeah, but wasn't that, I think I think that one was when they they played Lithuania on the Thursday that time. No, they played uh, on the Tuesday, and he said he didn't get back till late Wednesday. They, oh, they'd been Czech Republic by the looks of it on the thirteenth. No, that, that was six days ago. Friday the thirteenth. Yeah, the game before that was the twelfth of September, according. And that's uh, a qualification. Maybe they had a friendly after. They, they've definitely they've definitely played two games this. Yeah, they play Friday, then they play Tuesday. Yeah, it was obviously a friendly because it's not part of the qualification. I'm just looking. Yeah, they, they've definitely played. I saw I saw Josh Thomas had played twice. So to be fair, for a player like Josh, at, at the age he's at, it probably can't do him any harm to play Friday, Tuesday, Saturday. No, no. Um, I didn't. I don't think he got on the score sheet, did he? As I, I imagine, no. I would have seen some sort of retweet of, um. The Welsh under twenty one kind of yes, Josh Thomas has scored kind of thing. Um, but it was nice to see Alfie and Ollie as well, both playing for England. Yeah, Alfie, Alfie got an assist um the other day. Yes. He 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 set he set up the equaliser against Portugal. Oh nice. Yeah. Did she ref that match? Yes, Sonny didn't Sonny yeah. and wanted wanted his brother on the line as well. Oh, I don't know. I just noticed Sonny was refing it. Yeah, his brother was. I'm sure that the FA put some out that his brother was on the line. Yeah. So, oh, yes, yeah. looking good as long as it wasn't Benjamin Speedy. We were right. Yeah. So, but yeah, like so we've had the international break. Um, going into Stevenage, it's always it's always a weird game, isn't it, Stevenage? I don't know. Do you remember the other year when Harry was it Harry Kewell was manager there? Was it? No, Kewell was Crawley. Oh, was that Crawley. Yes, Evenage. The other year was where they battered us first off, and we went in one 0 up. Rodney scored. Yes, that was it. And I always get them pair mixed up because they're both horrible little grounds. Yeah, and then second off, we were probably the better side, and they equalised. But yeah, so off. Off to Stevenage. Obviously, you're going on the fun buzz, Bears. Tom, you got Peter K this weekend, or any or, or anything else? Or are you actually making the game? Uh, no, I'm I'm there. I'm there. I've got nothing, no, no plans whatsoever. So, um, yeah, I'll be all set and ready. I'm looking forward go. to it. I've got a, I've actually got a day off pretty much tomorrow as well because I got my work done today. Stayed late till three o'clock, so I've got Friday off. Um, <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, so it, um, I always 
forget Steve and his games. I think the last time I went, I went with Jordan Yates and we actually missed the bus back. Um, yeah. And we had to get a lift back because we were both a little bit pissed. You, was that when you were in, was that when you were told go KFC? Sort yes. Yeah. Yes. They told me to go to KFC, so I went and got a drink, and then went back in and they let me in. Um, it's it's a bit of a journey, isn't it? But, Just, um, uh, but yes, yeah, so you know, I'm looking forward to it. It isn't a nice ground. It isn't a, a particularly nice team to play against, but. They've got just as much right as anybody to be in this league. They've obviously, it, it kind of comes across as maybe they've been dealt a little bit of what we were dealt earlier on in the season. Um, the teams like Stevenage, teams like Port Vale kind of thing. Um, and maybe they've caught teams off guard. Yeah, um, it looks that way, doesn't it? It does. And I mean, I've just had a little flick through, you know, they've got home... home um, I think they got home draw against Peterborough. Um, they had, oh, bear with me, I've got it here. Hold on, let's just talk amongst yourselves. Um, so uh, they've lost to Wickham in the EFL, which you know. Uh, beat Wigan at home, uh, lost to Oxford, um, beat Cheltenham away, drawn with Charlton at home. Draw with Carlisle at home. So they are, you know, very much a hit and miss side. They have played a couple more of the teams down the bottom than us. Um, and obviously we've got a game in hand on them as well and we're four points behind. So if we can, we can get all three on Saturday, I think that puts us in a decent position. Because I'd like to say our I mean, I probably said it last time. Our rearrange game is favourable to Vail with Fleetwood. But, you know, it's not me saying we're going to walk over them. But, but yeah, I'm just kind of rabbiting at the minute. So, someone jump in and say something. No, we're, we're leaving you to it. You seem like you were, you're having a good time there. <laughs> well, Bez, have you, um, have you had a chance to read Baggers' article? It's Not yet. I didn't get in until literally you'd already started the call with Stoney. So no. Fair enough. It's a good one. Um, as as we keep saying, we're not gonna um, we're not we're not gonna share too much from it because we want people to sign up throughout throughout baggers out. Saw a comment um, on social media from a few people saying they won't sign up until Stoke fans have to pay for their con- content. I'd highly recommend you sign up. And if you if you want, um, I've had an email this week. Month, months free, we we get a month's free trial to to donate around to people. So if you want, just have it have, have a month of it and have a sniff and see what you think. Just drop the pod a message. I'm happy to share that. Um, it's well worth it. It's it it's so it's so good. And he spoke this week about Ben Garrity, and he's also spoke about the injuries and the press conferences and stuff like that. And I just think like it's it's. It's top art, top articles, and the and the they 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 really like whenever they jump in my inbox, I'm really excited to read them, um, because he is he is very level-headed, but also he has started asking the questions now, um, so great news. Tom Conlon played um, a friendly last last Tuesday for us. Oh, brilliant! Um, 
So when when we played Newcastle under twenty um, under twenty ones, is it whatever? But TC played a friendly there. Um, I say I'm not. He gives an update on Dan Jones and Bez. I'm going to I'm going to hand over to you to tell us the American lad's name that's been on trial. Let's see what you get go with. Mm. I'd have to find it to try and read it out. It's all right. I've, I've got it right here. I'll send you a message right now, mate, so you don't have to do any work. There it is. Should be I've should all... be right with you. Well, I've already got his song, haven't I? <laughs> well, you say you have. Yeah. There you go. Adietti Gabion. Is that what you're going with? Adietti is his first name, I'm sure. Yeah. Gabadian. Gabadian. Go on then. And are you going to share what song? Are you going to share his song or are you going to wait till he's actually official? Well, he might end up elsewhere, yeah. But when he's here, we can go, he's a kid from America. Whoa. Tom, what are your thoughts on Is that? Is that it? That's it. I'm oh, not getting his name in, am I? Well, I don't know. I'll, I'll be honest. I was kind of sitting here hoping, how the fucking hell is he going to get this in here? And yeah. then you, you just... Isn't he English? Uh, you are? Is he English, isn't he? No, he's American. Well, he's, Amer- he's American, but he holds a British passport. Yeah. So. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. But there's more about him in Baggers' article. Um, as I say, so well worth signing up. Yeah. And for uh, those that say they're not signed up to Stoke, I pay for theirs. Do you know what? I get the concept, but it's this or nothing. Unfortunately, we don't have enough impressions on the internet for Vale articles that we can't justify having a reporter. And yeah, it sucks, but you know what? That's where we are as a club, unfortunately. Our fan base isn't as big as other people's. For a tenner for the year, I highly, highly recommend going and signing up. And it's not because we like baggers and that. It's because there's some bloody good content in there. So go and sign up. It's a tenner a year. I think we worked out it worked out at six pence a newsletter. So come on, support baggers. Real good content. And this could be the way that it goes down the line. We could be the first club to trial this. And this is where it goes. Unfortunately, when Man United and Liverpool release articles, it gets millions and millions of impressions. When... Bale release an article, it gets thousands. Yeah, and that's it. But like I say, I, I'm really enjoying the content. So I am. Long may it continue. And it's, it's, it, it's actually it, cheaper than buying a newspaper. Yeah. So. And by paying for it, you're getting a lot of articles that you wouldn't have got in the Sentinel because Baggers is now solely 100% on Vale. Whereas, as you all know, when he was with the Sentinel, he was doing articles on Vale, crew. Chester, someone else is solely at Vale. He's spending all his time researching, doing articles on Vale. So you are paying for more than you were getting before. No adverts. No adverts. So you can just read at your leisure. Imagine that. Being able to read at your leisure and not have the new Colgate toothbrush pop up halfway through. Or, or, or the Viagra adverts. If something's popping up, uh, but yeah, so there we are at. Right, let's let's wrap it up because we're in near nearly a two-hour podcast for a free. Oh, yeah. Um, and Tom, Tom actually wants to go to bed, not 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 just Bez. Yeah. So. I'll be honest, I did it eight o'clock. I'm buzzing now. I've I've had two lots of cheesecake, a good chat with Aidan Stone. <laughs> that's that's it. Tom Tom's up till three now. 
<laughs> researching how long after this this after this cat's been to the vets can he actually legally adopt I'll, without, without yeah, I'll be waiting for the five grand to be it so, there we go come on then Bez tell me your team for Saturday Ripley and Goal back three of ooh, I haven't read Bagsy's odds who might be fit and who might not be fit yet so it's going to have to be Kofi Smithy. Mm. It's going to have to be Deborah because I'm going to assume that Jones and the Yak aren't back yet. So yeah, the Yak's, got about, the Yak's got about four or five weeks, yeah. Yeah, so it's going to be them three at the back. And can Deborah play left of the back three? I don't see why not put him there. Um, right, Mitch Clark across the midfield. Or Blaster Ojo. Left. Oh, Christy, we're playing left. Connor Grant's out. Planty. It's going to have to be plenty into I draw. The... In fact, no, I'm going plenty, plenty right. Plenty right and Mitch left. Clark left. Yeah, I'm going plenty right. Clark left. Ojo Arblasty. Garrity and Devine behind Thomas. Fair enough. So Chitty's Tom. on the bench. Yeah, Tom, any changes to that? Uh, yeah, I would put um, Chizzy in for Alfie. The reason I've gone he out. He needs a little here. bit of a kick up the arse for me. See, I'm going Alfie because he set one up for England under 21. So I'm going, do you know what? Let's carry that form forward. I'm going Chessie because he's done more in a shirt up to now. Um, yeah, and and also, disagree. the only other one would be um, Kofi would move to the left side of the back three for me and Jason Lowe would play on the right side instead of Jesse Debris. Because um, I, I thought he was brilliant at Portsmouth. Uh, Jason yeah, Lowe. Uh, and I think sometimes, are we putting a little bit too much on Nathan Smith of marshalling that back five of him, a 20-year-old Kofi Barmer, uh, is he 21, Jesse Debra? Yes. About 21, that. an 18-year-old James Plant and a 23-year-old Mitch Clark. Where Smudge is 26 himself. So I think we might just need, you know, a Jason Lowe. You know, he's 30. Is he 34? 32? 30, yeah, six. He's, he's, um, he's of age, isn't he? Yeah, yeah. And I think he just, he, he, comes, he, he comes across as a good talker. And I think sometimes that is half of our problem. Defensively, sometimes when we can see goals, there's a lot of standing round and arms going in the air. Sometimes we need a bit of accountability, and I think with Ripley, Smith, Lowe, and Ojo in a, an almost diamond shape of talkers, you won't go too far wrong there. And I know Kofi, you know Kofi talks, Kofi bollocks, um, but he's still only young. There's still a lot to learn, we, and we've seen that. Um. And then, you know, your, your youngsters, you've got Garrity further up the pitch, you'll do your talking. Um, so, yeah, for me, just just purely as an away game at Stevenage, you know, do we want... We know what Stevenage are like, and this is not, and now this isn't at all a dig at Jesse Deborah before anybody thinks it is. We know what Stevenage are like, and we almost saw... The slight naivety to Jesse Deborah's game away at Bristol Rovers. 
of throwing himself in when people are when he's on a booking and whether he touch if he didn't touch the lad then play acting to get him sent off. Can we afford to, you know, be in that situation again? Not for me. So I would go Jason Lowe for me there. Yeah, and I wouldn't be disappointed with that to be fair. Johnny? No. See, I I think and this, this, I think this is the first time ever. This is that we've got three complete different lineups. Um, I'd be going Ripley, Lowe, Smith, Barmer, Sang, Wright, um, Arblaster, Ojo, and Clark. I'd then be going Chizzy, um, Garrity. And Loft. And the reason I say Loft is they've got Carl Piagiani at centre half. Mm. Josh Thomas is not going to get change out of him. He's he's not going to get change out of him. So it, it kind of feels a bit counterproductive. Part of me almost feels like I think we're going to see Ben Garrity start up there for that reason. And I, I really hope not. I really hope not. But we, we've got to be sensible. We, we've got to be clever. So I think we've got to look at, do we put someone up there? Perfect scenario for me, this would be Uchi's first start. But the way Crosby's talking, Uchi's further behind than Loft is. But yeah. Uchi's the one that you want to be hitting Piagiani and keeping him busy, isn't it? And I, I just, no disrespect to Josh Thomas, but that's not his game, is it? I still think there's a way you can play. If Ben's playing in the 10, I still think there's a way you can play that Ben is almost in charge of aerial duels with Piagiani. You don't necessarily need, you know, Josh Thomas realistically doesn't need to be playing on Carl Piagiani. Like like Ben did at Bristol Rovers away. He can drop onto a centre-half and aerially challenge him. Um, I personally think if we can get them high enough up the pitch, particularly at their place, if we can get Josh Thomas in behind, then there's one winner. Can we can we reverse the? Like you said, there's no he's not getting change out of out of him, not airily, and probably not with the ball into feet. So. Have we got a plan of can we bring them further up the pitch and get Josh Thomas? Because none of none of our three up there, whether whether it be Ben, Chizzy, Alfie, Thomas, it aren't slow. Loft's got a turn of pace about him. Um. So yeah, I think I just want I just want to if we play a striker and it doesn't work, fair enough, change it up. But I just I think we need to go there with the striker up there because I think there's there's runs that you know this is the highest he's ever played, isn't it, Carl Pugiani? Yeah, pretty much. There's there's runs to be had around him. He's not the be all and end all. He's a monster in the air, but that's that's about as far as it stretches for me. He's pretty physical. Um, but if we can play around him. Because he, I imagine he turns like a cruise liner. Um, 
So yeah, I, I, I wouldn't go rushing into playing Ben up front myself. Yeah, I, I wouldn't. That's why I've gone off. But I have a feeling come two o'clock there might be some grumblings around the lineup. That I think I think Ben might end up being up there. I think, which might open the door bears for Divine to drop in there or Plant yeah. because I think. Plant did fantastic in there against Portsmouth until it was moved. So I would, yeah. I would, I wouldn't be against seeing Plant in there, but not over Ben Garrity starting up front. And that that would be the thing. It'd be Plant or Chizzy in that that sort of question then for me. And the way I'm reading it, the reason I've gone Thomas is I don't see Loft or Ooch being ready to start a game yet which is why I've gone Thomas, but I want to see a striker up there. I don't want the fuming at two o'clock when the team comes out because we're playing without a striker again. Yeah. And, and, and I, I will be. Yeah. And you've got every right to be. I think that's the thing. Like You've got every right to, to, to not be happy that when you've got three strikers that have been in, well, two strikers that have been in training all week, three if you want to count Gav because he has been playing up there, and then Thomas that's played two 90 minutes on international duty. I get it's been against people of his age and stuff like that. So it is tiny bit different, but still he's fit. There's there's no there's no argument there of is he fit? And Tom, I think you said, didn't you? He's still a young lad. We we were playing, and I know it's not the same standard, but when when you're when when we were like teenagers, you're playing four, five, six times a week, aren't you? So yeah. you're telling me he can't he can't squeeze another sixty minutes in. Cause it doesn't have to be ninety either, does it? Do you know what I mean? If things no. depending on how things go. So I'm quite interested to see how we do line up. I don't think we'll see Uchi in the squad. Um we still don't know his squad number. So that'll be an interesting one when we find that out. Um and yeah, it's it's a big game. So avtimings.com. Bez, I've seen that you've been popping on Facebook recently, races and stuff like that. Have you signed up for one of them or are you just doing a bit of advertising for him? At the moment, advertising, but I will be signing up to one. Um, he's got a new race, which is in April next year, which is the Maidley Half Marathon 2024. Um, that will be April next year. I haven't got the exact date, but he has sent it me and I've shared it on Facebook. So get yourself signed up. Go over to avtimings.com. And you can run the Maidley Half Marathon, which I do plan on doing. So, this one, you have a free T-shirt on. Yeah, I've, said, say, uh, I've shared a code for a free T-shirt. That may have expired by now, but try to see what happens. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> if not, just put in the comments, Bez said on the podcast, I can have a free T-shirt. Yeah, put that on and we'll see what we can sort for you. Yeah. If not, we'll just, we'll get you, we'll get, we'll get your T-shirt of Bez's face to run in. Yeah, why not? Yeah, I'm sure you 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 go in, you go in Spain's version of Blackpool. I'm sure they've got enough shops around there. Sure they have, sure they have, and I'll be running that off marathon in about four weeks' time. You, you say you say you will be. We'll see. I will be because you're sponsoring me fifty quid and Simcoxes. Yeah, I'll, I'll be honest with you. I'm I'm going to speak to the people you're going with and get and and give them thirty quid to spend on booze for you instead. So no, because the fifty is going to the John Rudd statue. Yeah, I'll put 20 in John Rudge's statue still. No, I'm running it one, two, three, four, five weeks on Saturday. Five weeks on Saturday. Yeah, so yeah. But anyway, avtiming.com, get yourselves over, sign up to the Maidley Half Marathon. First time, first goal scorer, I am going with 
the blast it on the return from England under 21 duty. After 17 minutes, the Vale to romp home with a 3-0 win because I think it's just going click this weekend. And that's not me putting Stephen East down and going, this will be easy. I just think we're really going to turn up because I think Stephen East is a good side this season. Tommy's gone 3-0. Where are you going? Uh, 2-1 Vale. And Ben Garrity. 37 minutes. For me. Okay. You, Johnny? I'm going one all. And Funzo Ojo, 32. I fancied Funzo myself, you know, but I changed my mind because I thought he didn't score that many. Yeah, but. Well, yeah, I think. Do you think, just just to finish up, do you think. A couple of players have had a bit of a rocket up the arse during this break that, that have actually been at the club still. Um, like not not because performances haven't been great, but because small small things, shall we say, have gone have gone against us. I think we need to needed to have used it to iron out some issues. Now, yeah. Whether that be with fallouts or whether that be with. Just amount of time playing. We just need to iron things out. Things need to be a little bit uh, cuter from us. We seem to be punishing ourselves for for stuff at the minute. I think that is probably the easiest way of putting it. Um, So if we've had a falling out and we're not playing them, but we're playing someone who's not as good in that position, in that position, we're only helping out the opposition and. I know it's a difficult choice, but when you pull Vale in League One, I don't know if you have that luxury. Yeah. No, Not if you're yeah, going to keep them around the club as well. Yeah. Like, I understand if there's an issue and someone has to leave, then that's that. But Yeah, for me, we'll have just done plenty of work on what we do when we get to the opposition's box. And I'm hoping that it all clicks, and that's why I've gone three now. Yeah, that's fair, isn't it? I think... That, that, that'll be a big thing. Um, so, yeah, the three of us will be down there um, at Portsmouth. A couple of people spoke to me. Um, one of the guys said they spoke to you as well, Bez, when, when, you, were, when you were there. So, if you see us, say, say I uh, let us know your name and then we'll give you a proper shout on, out rather than just saying two blokes spoke to me. Yeah, and my uh, eldest nephew, Lucas, is coming with me on the fun buzz for... He was 10 on Tuesday, so happy birthday, Lucas. And he's having his first away day on the fun buzz on Saturday. What else is he drink? <laughs> he, he likes a paddy. Good. Well, I don't. But, yeah, it's good because he's not drinking my buds, then. Has <laughs> I've got to do cheese and onion perhaps for him as well, then? Yeah, just no peanuts. He's allergic to peanuts. Well, there won't be on cheese and onion, will there? No. <laughs> oh, see what sort of cheese and onion sandwiches are you having? There's a pizza in them. <laughs> it's all about to a load of KP on these. <laughs> Tad's a bit of crunch to it. Fucking hell. Oh, nice. Get me to bed. Yeah, there we go. Um, but yeah, we'll be back Sunday because you pair will be far too pissed on Saturday to, to be coherent. I won't be because I've got my nephew with me. I will be because it's me. Yeah. <laughs> So me and Bez will be back Sunday. Tom, 
Will pencil right. still be on a bender? No, 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 no. I've got I've got Sunday lunch booked out Sunday afternoon, so I uh, there'll be no boozing Sunday. Johnny, where have you heard that before? No, no. Ever. I've got Sunday lunch penciled in, so I've got to, I've got yeah. I'm being good. Johnny, where have you heard that before? No, stop it. <laughs> I'm going to bed. <laughs> Well, yeah, so we'll, we'll we'll be back Sunday with a, a review preview show because we're back to playing Saturday Tuesdays again. Ah, uh, we are, aren't we? Yeah, because it's Peterborough, is it, the Tuesday? It is. It is, so yeah. So we've got two 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 big games, really, in the space of a week. So if you can get down, Stevenage tickets are on sale till 2 o'clock on Friday um, from the club, and I'm sure that there'll be tickets on the day some, some way, shape or form. I haven't yeah, not- seen it. On away tickets, great effort on the Mansfield away tickets. Yeah, brilliant effort. It, it, you you always hope that that game was going to sell out due to the magnitude of it, don't you? But yeah, for us to sell out, that that's that that's top work and bit but still a bit gutted. I'm going to be missing that. I'm not going to lie. Yeah. Um, but fucking cheering when the draw came out, you bastard. Yeah. yeah but, as it gets closer, I don't like missing. Now, now the dust, now the dust settled, and the seventeen hundred Vale fans, and no Johnny. Yeah, I don't, I don't like missing games, but I'm sure, I'm, I'm sure that a bar in Vienna will, will whack it me on over whatever else is on there. I don't know if it'll be even on any tally. Yeah, surely the, the quarterfinals got to be on somewhere. Not, I don't think quarterfinals round sixteen. Round six, round sixteen. Then sure, that's got to be on somewhere. Yeah, if not, yeah. if not, I'm, I'll, I'll get onto the club and ask them if if I can feed into the get me feed into the Mansfield camera. Yeah, for, I don't know if because there's no I, oh there will be a camera, won't there? But there's no I follow because it's the League Cup. Yeah, but there's gonna, there's going to be there'll be there'll be a highlight. There'll be a highlight camera. Yeah, there will. That's what I mean. So even if I have to watch the the, the highlight camera, but where there's a will, there's a way. Yeah, just double check your dates for the quarters, the semis, and the final, and make sure you don't book holiday then. Yeah, no, I've got no holidays left. Um, well, that's a lie. I am. I'm going to Hamburg the weekend that we play Shrewsbury away. But um, oh, I'm not here for that weekend either. That's the Benidorm half marathon weekend, Shrewsbury away. Is is it? Yeah, twenty fifth of oh. November. Yeah, uh, yeah. That's it. There'll be no podcast that weekend, folks. Early warning. Find something else to do that weekend. What do you mean there'll be no podcast? There's there's Tom, there's Tom Andy and Steve. Kirsty left. Stu. <laughs> now, if you don't upload it, I struggle, but get it uploaded. None of them have tried to upload before. Yeah, and Andy Andy can upload. True. They, they, they've all been talking they've all been talking this week about wanting wanting a video one as well, haven't they? So there you go. The Shrewsbury podcast will be will be a video podcast uploaded by Andy featuring Tom, Steve, or Kirsty. Yeah, so, and they just don't know it. Yeah, they don't know it. Tom doesn't know it because he's sodded off to um, get some more cheesecake. Yeah, and um, yeah, there we go. So we're going to leave it there. Hope hope that you've enjoyed the the first hour and a bit with with Stony. Um, that what that was really enjoyable. Um, and then hope hopefully you've enjoyed the last forty five minutes of absolute ramble. And hopefully Terry the cat's okay. Yeah, hopefully Terry the cat's okay. And if you can donate, donate. And yeah. if, you, if you see Tom on um, on Saturday, just let him know that. Yeah, Terry is, and let, let him know that you're thinking about him. Yeah, he'd probably go who's Terry because he won't yeah, remember. Probably. But just ask him if, how Terry is. 
<laughs> Fuck Terry. <laughs> right. Oh, buddy, hell. But yeah, there you go. Be- Bez, you, you'll you'll be there with the Dominoes, will you, Saturday? Ah, uh, Dominoes will be on the coach with me. We're on the way down. I know Gadge has been here preparing the young and ready to have a game. So yeah, there you go. So ev- everyone who's going down, enjoy. If you're not, enjoy whatever else you're doing on your Saturday. Um, and most of all, have an ale and up the veil. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with Free for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. As football fans, we often pride ourselves on knowing everything, from which substitution can turn the game around to the quickest route home to beat the crowds. However, when it comes to discussing feelings with our friends, we might not always feel as confident. That's why we're here to equip you with the right tools so you can reach out to those who can help. If your mates are struggling, let them know that the Samaritans are free to call on 116123. That's 116123. They are there to listen without judgment or pressure. 24-7, 365 days of the year. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. So, it's full time from the pod and we've just lost again. And now it's time for a treat. What are you looking for, Bez? Well, I'm looking to who's cost us today. Was it the ref? Was it the players? But whoever it was, cheer yourselves up. Get yourselves to McDonald's. Get yourself a Big Mac tonight and enjoy it through the app. Johnny? Yeah, there we go. So, order make delivery on, on the app. It's at participating restaurants, 18 plus. Serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com for more details. And don't forget, have an ale and up the veil. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.